This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. This is LBC. You're very welcome. It's nice to have your company. Everything you've heard about the programme is absolutely true. We don't take any prisoners. We just tell you the way it is. You can only tell people the truth. Only telling the truth. All back to normal on the tube after the strike. Well, relatively back to normal. Uh, hopefully we'll bring you up to speed with that with Andy very, very shortly. Jeremy Clarkson has used the N-word. He really doesn't care, does he? Uh, over 45, you're said to be very happy. Jeremy Clarkson stepped down after 25 years of being paid oodles and oodles of money. Oh, sorry, of your money, I do beg your pardon. Bye-bye, Bob. Bob Hoskins at 71. And speculation grows over the death of Peaches Geldof. Doesn't make pleasant reading. From LBC, I'm Steve Allen. It's next. In fact, between now and five. And uh, pilot Adrian yesterday was flying over the At Steve Allen show. He said, I did wave, Steve. I did wave. I like the idea. That's, that reminds me of a joke from some years ago, but I can't can't repeat it on the programme this morning. I don't know why, actually. Just can't can't repeat it. Very funny. Anyway, it's nice to have your company. I trust you had a good day yesterday. It's uh, it's interesting that the the rain has come back. Just want to get the car washed yesterday, thinking, oh, a couple of days of sunshine. <laughs> yeah, right. But at least I got the the plot the the plots the pots planted up. So that was good yesterday. Very happy about that. Except three. I've got three three more to do, and then a couple of big pots, and I'm there. And I've still got... I bought enough plants ages ago, and the good thing about geraniums is that they can dry out completely. And yet you just plant them out, and immediately they come back to life again. It's like the miracle plant, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, yesterday, London Underground... I think I'll take my shoes off, actually. Make myself comfy. I think I'll stick around for the next uh, two hours and a half. Uh, they managed to run a service on all 11 lines of the Tube network. No support for the RMT at all. Ironically, I was sitting on a bus going to Waterloo, and there were two blokes who I think worked on the buses... And he was, he was going, uh, yeah, I think there's like loads of uh, support for the RMT. And I thought, how little you know. By the time I got to Waterloo, yesterday, by comparison, sorry, not now, yesterday, it was now the day before yesterday, when the tube strike started, there were queues a mile long outside Waterloo Station. Yesterday, nothing at all. Absolutely nothing. There was no problem, except one bloke said to one of the uh, members of some unit, he said, have you just turned that escalator off? And uh, he said, yeah, what they do, they, they try and then corral people down two escalators. It was blooming dangerous. So the buffoon yesterday, they keep doing it every so often. And it just means that people have to pile down one escalator. It's not very clever and not very intelligent. But anyway, he did say, I heard him say to him quite, quite distinctly, you know, did you turn that escalator off? Why? Why have you turned it off? Well, broken. Stop messing around with things. These people who make decisions by themselves. But uh, again, they lost every argument, the poor old RMT. And then... I'm coming back down the motorway from Farnborough yesterday and a motorcycle hurtles past me. Must have been doing 90 miles an hour behind him uh, on, uh, on a, a piece of paper, like a cardboard on the back of his bike was, you know, um, I can I can teach you how to ride a motorbike, blah, blah, blah. Advanced training, blah, call this number. And I thought, what, driving 90 miles down the motorway? It got worse. Following him was another one with a similar sign on him, except he was carrying L-plates. And, of course, as you know, it's illegal for anybody with L-plates to be on the motorway. I've never seen any... So I, I took photographs. I'm going to be reporting them to the local police and making sure that they don't teach anybody ever again. Jeremy Clarkson has used the N-word. I can't say I'm surprised. The man's a bit of a Neanderthal. Uh, why being fat but fit is a fib. They say if you're clinically obese, there's no chance you're going to be fat. Uh, sorry, no chance you're going to be fit. You're going to die. It's as simple as that. Nick Ferrari was telling me yesterday that was... Uh, an experiment in the, was it the telegraph on, on whether you're going to die soon, whether you can sit, stand up and down. So you're in a chair, you have to stand up, 
down. How many times in a minute? Oh, I've got exhausted already. How many times in a minute can you do it? Did you read that yesterday? Yeah, as we, as we were going back up, Nick said to me, he said, we're all doing this experiment in the Telegraph. I went, oh, right. I don't really want to know if I'm fit enough for things like that. And there is speculation over Peaches Geldof. There is uh, a rumour that the toxicology has come back. I mean, if it's true, it's absolutely tragic. Because they say, uh, here, this was in the Mail Online, that she died of a heroin overdose. Now, if it's true, as the, uh, as the Mail Online have pointed out... Somebody removed the drug paraphernalia because she was dead. So not much chance of her doing anything. There was no traces of drug paraphernalia. Now, it prompts me to ask the question, I think, really, as to whether or not, if it was, and it would be tragic if it was a heroin overdose, it would explain all sorts of things. It would explain behaviour. It would explain... Because, I mean, I look at some people and I think, I watch them on the television, and I think, are you on some sort of drugs or something? I do think that. I do think that. I watch certain people who are doing let's just say, early morning television programmes, and they're a little bit too bouncy. A little bit too bouncy, and maybe I thought a little bit of Colombian marching powder. I'm not naive enough to think that it doesn't exist within entertainment. But in the case of heroin, that's quite mainline, that's quite serious, that's, that's, that's a Class A drug, because you have to inject heroin. And that's, you know, that's what I kind of worry about. I worry about it. If it was true that she did die of a heroin overdose, and if it's true that somebody removed the, uh, the paraphernalia, it means that they knew that she was doing drugs. Now, to be honest with you, I'd heard the rumour. I did speak to a friend of mine, and I did say, after it was announced that she'd just died, and he went, drugs. And I went, no, I thought she was clean. She'd been clean for ages. She was getting her life back together again. Why would you post a picture of you and, your, and, uh, and, and the children if only to inject yourself with heroin? I mean, what would be the point of that? Somebody must have known what was going on. Somebody must have known, I would think. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Every single text we put in on the programme, every single email, we weave into the occasion, because it is an occasion. And that's why yesterday, so we couldn't find any support for the poor old RMT. They were losing the battle big time. 11 tube lines running, because most of the RMT members are going, we're not going to be held to ransom by your bully boy tactics. We're going to uh, we're going to go back to work. Thank you very much indeed. We want to go to work. We enjoy going to work. And uh, we couldn't really give a stuff about the people in the ticket offices. But uh, it was interesting watching them arguing backwards and forwards. The bloke from London Underground being very articulate and, and saying that, you know, we are going to be doing away with the ticket offices. There'll be people on hand. Nobody. Somebody wrote to me yesterday and said the only people who are anti the, uh, anti the strike are those people who want to see people on the dole. I thought, well, you must be really ancient and decrepit because we don't have the dole anymore. Um, and nobody is going to be made redundant. Anybody who's made redundant gets paid off. But they're all, they've already got loads of... 600 and something people have decided. But, of course, all the RMT... Well, 900 of our members are going to be made... No, they're not. No, they're not. You need to get your facts right. Stop lying to people. Stop lying to... But, I mean, we all managed yesterday to get around London. It was, uh, it was a kick in the teeth for the unions, who, in some cases, I'm sure, are very well served and very well used. But, unfortunately, the case of the RMT, now that old Bob Crow's gone, they haven't got a leg to stand on. Absolutely nothing at all. And it was proven yesterday... It was proven yesterday that there were no queues at the bus stop. Everybody toddled in. In fact, I began to think that something had happened at Waterloo Station. I nearly took a picture of it and twittered it because there was nobody there. There was nobody there. People had got off the... You know, there were a few people out earlier than usual, but everybody... Everybody got it right. Everybody got it right. I was delighted. 84850... 
Steve at lbc.co.uk. Also, uh, front page of the paper day, Rihanna Naked Sex Picks Band. Apparently, sizzling pop babe, Rihanna. Is she a sizzling pop babe? She's a faded old has-been by now. Apparently peeled off for a sexy... Oh, it's a photo shoot again. Oh, don't, don't... Don't give me that. It's a bit like looking at poor old Michelle Keegan having to do another another shot in her scanties because that's the only work that's on the horizon. Would you like to take it all off, Michelle? Uh, no, I'm an actress. No, dear, no, you were. You were. Not a very good one, but you were an actress and now you're an unemployed actress. But, uh, so, can we have some more underwear shots, please? Jeremy Paxman has said he's quitting Newsnight. They call him now a, a veteran at the age of 63. For that read, old and past it. He stayed on to see them through the tricky period of uh, the interview that they didn't run exposing Jimmy Savile as a paedophile. So I suppose that was fairly good. He's earned a small fortune over the years for doing that programme. It's not that difficult. It's one of the only programmes of its type. You just sit there and you ask politicians semi-difficult questions. They know what... If they don't want to go on the programme, they don't go on it. They go on it because they know it's not going to be that complicated. He says, I want to go to bed at much the same time as most people. How dull. How boring. How very boring. And uh, also today, uh, because of, uh, of Bob Hoskins dying, uh, lots of celebrities pay tribute to him. He's, uh, he's got four children. He's only little. He was only little. He was only five foot six. But a giant in movies. I quite liked him. I couldn't... I saw the Jessica Rabbit thing, and uh, I think he was in Snow White and the Huntsman. That was his, his last role. Then I think he got Alzheimer's, and then I think he died of, of pneumonia. He's been in all sorts of things. All sorts of things. But uh, at 70... It's still too early, isn't it? And the murdered teacher, Anne Maguire, screamed, Don't let them see me die, as she tried to shield pupils from the horror. A shocked student revealed her thoughts were only for the children in her last moments after she was knifed in class. The teenager said Mrs Maguire was screaming at the kids in the class, telling them to get out because she didn't want them to see what was happening. As she's dying. You know, I mean, well, there's a 15-year-old boy in in court today. Uh, Prince Harry has hit out at claims he broke up with Cressida Bonus because she was too needy. Well, I thought that one was a load of old codswallop to start with. Instead, he admitted that uh, it was Cressida who ended it. Who cares? So, you know, Harry, 29. Not like he's a child, he's 29. So he goes out with a girl and finishes with her. <laughs> what? Any, any big deal there? I don't think so. Um, is she good? She, wants, she wanted, uh, apparently they said, uh, uh, an acting career. So she's got to do something, really, hasn't she? Has she got uh, any acting ability? I don't know. Has Harry got any ability to do anything apart from become a, a bit of a playboy Lothario? No, of course he hasn't. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter. He enjoys his holidays. He enjoys seeing the girls. I bet you anything at Guy Pelly's wedding, as I predicted, there's another girl with him. There we're... He's not going to go by himself. He looks like Billy No Mates. He's going to go with another girl. I think somebody will probably meet him there. I don't want to say, I told you so, yet again. But uh, we are always right. It's quarter past four. Team, seven o'clock this morning on LBC. The Deputy Prime Minister joins Nick to take your calls for another unmissable edition of Call Clegg. Plus, as the Home Secretary announces an overhaul of stop and search measures, Nick will be asking, has she gone far enough? And why are the government now saying a fifth of crimes go unreported? Barbara Want, the journalist and author of Baby Secrets, How to Know Your Baby's Needs, will be live in the studio today with Nick. Apparently, somebody says if a person stops taking heroin, their tolerance of the drug stops and drops... And then if they start again and take the same amount, it's fatal. Yes, I mean, well, that's, that's what the, uh, the, 
one of the papers is reporting this morning. Uh, I don't know whether they've told the family, whether or not they've been informed that it is. I mean, if it is heroin and, you know, as I say, you ask a lot of people, the moment they heard of her death, first thing people said was drugs. There was nothing of her either, so her tolerance levels would have been even more depleted. But uh, a sad... You know, nothing to do with her mother dying of heroin. It's got, otherwise, you know, that the entire family would be on heroin. Why is it only one person? It's got nothing to do with that at all. It's just got to do with a weakness. And some people need propping up with things. Some people take prescription drugs. Some people take alcohol. Some people smoke cigarettes. Some people take cocaine. Quite a lot of people take cocaine. And, uh, and some people take chocolate. You can be as addicted to chocolate as you are to heroin. It's just that the side effects are, in the case of chocolate, it blows you up, you become bloated. It's like eating bread, isn't it? The addiction to bread. But if you take heroin, there is a good chance, if you're sticking a needle in your arm, it's going to kill you at some point. I love the story in the papers of the, the clampdown on the gambling machines. And now all the bookies have put signs up saying, gamble responsibly. Just seriously think if somebody's addicted to a fruit machine... They're going to be reading a sign going, oh, wait a minute, I've put £30 in. I shall stop immediately. Of course they don't. They're addicts. They sit there all day. You can see them in all the bookmakers, even around Twickenham. I think in one high street they showed yesterday, there were like 13 bookies or places where you could go and gamble. I don't quite get it myself. I don't, I've, I have done bookies. Don't do them very often. But I do go into a bookmaker's account once a year. For the National, of course, I was lucky this year, got first, second and third. Why? Because it was pure luck. It was pure guesswork. And now they say they're clamping down on these machines, which are very addictive. The reason that they have them in the bookies is because each machine turns over about 40 grand a week. That's how profitable these machines are. You're gambling against a machine. You're gambling against a machine which is based on a central computer. So, in other words, if it's paid out loads of money already, you could stand there till the cows come home. You're going to be getting nothing. It's going to need to take it back in again. They always say pays out 81% or pays 79% out. Not of your money. That's over. That's over the whole country. They're all linked up to the same computer. That's why they all look the same in these shops. And people sit there. You can put your credit card in. person behind the counter can rack you up credits. And people get through a fortune. I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. I can't think of any more stupid than sitting in front of a fruit machine. Who was it? A friend of mine the other day went down to Brighton. He said, like going down to Brighton because they've got the 2p machines on the pier. You could put a two pence in. And that way you feel as, <laughs> feel as if you're getting something. Used to be a penny a long, long time ago for many of you. But now it's, uh, it's two pence machines or five pence. And it's purely aimed at kids. It's to get them into the gambling habit. You go into an amusement. You go down to Brighton, for example, or Southend. And all you see are flashing lights and ringing bells. And it's, it's an exciting world. It is very exciting. I mean, I personally don't get as excited over it. I like watching it, but I wouldn't, I'd no more stand there and pump money in than I would, you know, take a dive off the, the end of the pier. I just wouldn't do that kind of thing. But I understand how addictive it is, and what they want to do is actually, uh, is actually sort of get together and, and just try and entice kids in at an early age. So the time they get to 18, 19, they're, they're trying to fuel a habit. And at 18, 19 and 70, you don't earn any money. But they're putting it in, and what they do is, if they lose 20 quid, they'll put another 20 quid in trying to retrieve the 20 quid they've lost. But it's a machine. I keep saying to people, it's a machine. You're playing against a machine. There is no skill to it. The reels will come in, and the ball will go where it's determined already. It's a machine. Somebody says, can you believe all the fuss about that that man who was badly executed in America? This is a story which which made the, uh, the television yesterday of a man. In fact, I think they had... Two executions. I think they had two executions. And in this particular case, a doctor administers uh, an injection which renders him unconscious. 
after they've actually done that, uh, then there's the two fatal injections. They don't know which one it is, but one of them will stop the heart. Okay, so there's there's generally I think there used to be yes two people pushing plungers. And they don't know which holds the fatal dose. So they can't say which person it is who actually kills them. In the same way, they will not tell you the company that manufacturer, uh, manufacture the, the liquids that go in, the sodium, whatever it is. And uh, this particular man, they administer the first dose in America. Bearing in mind, this is a convicted murderer. He um, attacked this woman, and then she was buried alive by his friends. I mean, you know... As far as I'm concerned, I would bring back the death penalty. You'd have to make sure that you were absolutely right. We've made mistakes in the past, as in the let him have it. You know, that's, that was a, a miscarriage of justice. And we've made mistakes. You can't go back. After you've, after you've killed somebody, you cannot go back. So he gets the first injection. He goes under. The second injection should have been acting fairly quickly. Normally within, I think it's a few minutes, the heart will stop working. He's then pronounced dead and that's it and it's in front of an audience. Um, unfortunately, in this particular case, I say unfortunately, because he, it's supposed to be done humanely. It's supposed to be done so they don't suffer. I don't quite see the point of that, but that's just me. He then starts trying to sit up. He's on a gurney, he's strapped down, and he starts moaning and thrashing about a bit, and they suddenly realise that the injection hasn't worked. They haven't actually got him under enough to actually stop his heart. Luckily, he has a heart attack, a massive heart attack, and he dies. But unfortunately, they made a big mistake, and they then have to go and apologise. I don't know why you have to apologise. As far as I'm concerned, you know, you murder somebody in cold blood. You deserve everything you get, as far as I'm concerned. But that's just my, that's my thoughts. Everybody's got a different opinion on it. Some people say the death penalty doesn't work, because it doesn't. Because they have a death penalty in certain states in America, and quite clearly it's not a deterrent. It's not a deterrent, because people still go out and commit murder, knowing that there could be the death penalty at the end of it. They have no fit. They, why do they care about it? They've generally got a few sort of illnesses in between the ears, mainly being mental illness, and that's what, that's what does it. You know, why would a 15-year-old boy who's in a classroom suddenly stab his teacher? Apparently, according to the papers today, they're saying that his first girlfriend had recently finished with him. This obviously affects people differently. Most people just burst into tears and sit down in the corner and go very withdrawn. It's horrible. Think back to when you first fell in love when you were 15. I don't think you ever thought about actually stabbing anybody, did you? I don't think I did. In the slightest. Uh, they're talking about the care homes where the elderly were numbers, not names. This is the one in, uh, in Essex where they caught it on camera. And strangely enough... The Minister for Care now is only copying exactly what I said yesterday, which is why have we not got CCTV in every care home in this country? Why have we not got it? So, in other words, there'll be somebody monitoring, and if anybody, if anybody who works in a care home so much as touches a patient in an abuse kind of way, you have them up in court. You don't just dismiss them. I want to see them in court, in prison. You know, I'm not going not gonna to mess around with this one. And so now they're talking about putting in CCTV in care homes. Well, they should have bloody well done it years ago. Of course they should. Years in it. In every single room, there should be a camera. And it should be linked up to a hard drive. It's not a difficult system to put in. We have a 16-camera system where I live. 16 cameras. We can monitor every part of the property. We could see everything. From the moment you set foot on it or drive onto it, we've got you. And it's on hard drive and we can play it back again and we could use it as evidence in court if necessary. We can watch people doing everything. 
It's amazing. And it does become quite entertaining. However, if it's in something like a care home, and if it's your mum, your dad, your auntie, your uncle, your nana, your granddad, whoever it happens to be, and somebody abuses them, you want to see them in prison. You absolutely do. So that's why they have to bring in this, and they have to bring in as soon as possible. Because, you know, anybody can set up a care home. It's not that difficult. You just find a big house. I think in this particular one, there's 93 bedrooms. And literally, as soon as somebody dies, they clean the room, the next one's in. There's a waiting list for these care homes at £700 a week. £700 a week to send your loved one in there to be abused? I don't think so. I'd be going round to the person's house who did the abusing. I'd be letting them know exactly how I thought about it. Uh, Howard says, you think Jeremy Paxman will replace David Dimbleby on question time? Um, I think it's highly likely. They don't have anybody else. Who will replace Jeremy Paxman? I think Martha Carney, provided you can drag her away from the bees. Her and Chris Shaw, who I worked with f- 35 years ago at LBC. Both of them worked at LBC, Chris Shaw and Martha Carney. And they're still together. Um, she's now got a programme where she's looking at beekeeping and she keeps her bees and honey and all the rest of it. Actually, I saw her at the LBC birthday party. She looks exactly the same. She hasn't, hasn't aged one day and Chris Shaw looks exactly the same. But uh, I think Martha Carney could replace him on Newsnight. The uh, the people who they've actually put up for it, um, it's it's very strange. Uh, on some of the, I'll, I'll run through actually shortly exactly who the who the people are. I mean, there's even people like uh, Christian Gurumurthy on there. Uh, Susanna Reid apparently makes it. This is the person who has hemorrhaged a hundred thousand off the audience already. They've disappeared, never to come back again. And the reason they aren't is because it's a rubbish program. They can't help it. What they've, what they've done is there's no original idea on it. They've nicked ideas from Good Morning America. Unfortunately, the Americans are so much better at doing this kind of thing. All we've got is some poor woman who can struggle through an auto queue. She's not very good at ad-libbing. Um, she's stuck behind a desk that occasionally they bring her out so she can show you her legs. This apparently is the, is the big selling point now. Susanna Reed's legs. But she's hemorrhaging the audience, I predict... By Christmas, they'll have revamped the thing yet again, and they'll come up with the excuse, which they always do, well, it's, it's a work in progress, you know. We're very happy with the way it's going. They said that with Christine Bleakley, and we're all saying, they're rubbish. They're rubbish together. They should have left the programme in the capable hands of Lorraine Kelly and Ali Jones. They just should have... T- you don't need loads of people sitting on set, and you certainly don't need that dreary little sport bloke. God in heaven. Is, there some, is he paying them to be there? I should imagine housewives all over the country are going, sport, click, off. Let's go find something else. It's so boring. It is so dreary. And it goes on for... Do you know, the sport goes on for longer than some of their so-called in-depth interviews. It's that desperately tragic over there. So, uh, and this is only day three. And already people are bored with it and turning off because it's just not up to scratch. That's why more people listen to the radio. Coming up, the fatherly advice that Bob Hoskins handed on to his daughter. LBC News Time. It's 4.30. Morning, everybody. 28 minutes to five. It's LBC. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. So who's in the running for old uh, old Clarkson's job? Not Clarkson's job, for uh, Jeremy Paxman's job. Actually, perhaps for Clarkson's job as well. OK, names in the frame. And, the, and there is quite a list. Quite a list. Piers Morgan, 25 to one. James Landale, never heard of him. 18 to one. Stephanie Flanders, 20... Never heard of her. Who is she? Do you know who she is? No, we don't know who she is at all. Uh, Nick Robinson, 22 to 1. Gavin Esler, 10 to 1. Uh, Emily Makeless, 6 to 1. Oh, no, really. It's a bit like that, isn't she? Uh, Laura Kuensberg. Who is that? 
Who's she? Do you know who she is? We think she's on Newsnight anyway. She's four to six. I don't know, perhaps that's a shift she's working. I don't know. Uh, who else we got here? Krishnan Guramurthy, 22 to 1. David Dimbleby, 25 to Why would he want to do it? He definitely wanted. Jeremy Vine, twenty-five to one. No, Adam Bolton, twenty-five to one. Could be a possibility. Could be a possibility. John Snow, thirty-three to one. It's getting a bit desperate now. He wouldn't want to leave where he is. Andrew Neil, thirty-three to one. I like Andrew Neil. He was an LBC presenter for uh, for a while, and uh, I like listening. To, I like listening to him in the same way I like listening to Andrew Pearce because they they bring it down to the level we can all understand. And so that's why I like Andrew Pearce. He sort of he does it on my on my level, which I'm quite happy about. Daisy McAndrew, fifty to one. We're now getting desperate. Dermot Murnahan, forty to one. They really don't think he's got a hope in hell. George Alligaya, thirty three to one. Uh, and then you go down into the bottom bottom people. Hugh Edwards, fifty to one. James O'Brien, sixty six to one. Ian Dale, sixty six to one. It's not looking promising. Kay Burley. 80 to 1. She wouldn't want to do it anyway. Susanna Reid, 100 to 1. Russell Brand, 150 to 1. I mean, you think seriously people have put any money on these? Lorraine Kelly, 200 to 1. And Richard Maidley, 200 to 1. My, my, uh, my money's going on Eddie Mayer at 11 to 1. Would he, would he want to do it, though? Would he, see, the trouble is, it's no good saying to somebody, oh, we'd like you to do it, if the person involved doesn't want to do it. They might say to Eddie Mayer, would you like to do it? And Eddie Mayer might go, I don't think so. I don't think... I'd rather, I'd rather stay in and cook spag bol or something. I don't think he'd want to do that. It's interesting, though, isn't it, when you look at the name? I'm very disappointed I'm not on the list. You know, because then we could get Kerry Coke-Toner on, talking about her opinion on world affairs. So, about the war in Syria, what do you reckon, Kerry? Uh, oh, oh, bipolar. No chance of understanding anything at all. Uh, 84850, uk. Um, who's this one here? Jeremy Kyle, to replace... Paxman, yes, I, I, th- I think that could be uh, that could be quite a a good one, quite a good one. Uh, I don't know actually. I don't know whether or not that would be the uh, that be the way forward. I don't know who's going to get. They must have an idea, mustn't they already? Ronan Keating, I don't think so. You know how desperate it is for Ronan Keating. He's uh, he's considering. He's hinted he'd be up for going on Celebrity Big Brother. Oh dear, your career must have really hit the skids, mate. It really must have disappeared completely. The last one was um, Lee Ryan, and sent him into rehab. And uh, model Jasmine Waltz, who was the one who sold the story on Lee Ryan about saying he was partly gay and everything else. And I thought, well, I mean, you're you're 31 and well past it. And Casey Batchelor, who nobody knows who she was either, I'm afraid. She was was a bit of a dreary at 29. And so apparently it sent all his fans... Into a frenzy. I can't imagine why. He's the most boring person under the sun. What would he get, why would you want to put yourself up for it? Unless he's, he really, really needs that money. Unless he really, really needs that, that money. I, I mean, I'm, I'm not totally convinced. Perhaps he does need the money. I don't know. I'm always interested in, in sort of people who go into it. But normally, they, they, they try and resurrect a, uh, a career. And unfortunately... I think in, in the case of Ronan Keating, I didn't think there was a career anymore. I thought the, the singing had finished. What was it Louis Walsh called? Was he a sort of an, up, an upmarket karaoke singer or something like that? It certainly wasn't very... Uh, <laughs> certainly wasn't, wasn't very good at it at all, I'm afraid. And so kind of kind of disappeared, which is um, a, little bit, uh, a little bit sad and tragic. Uh, eight for eight for, I think they might need to avoid suffering during executions because the US Constitution prohibits cruel punishments. I know, but at the end of the day, they're dead. Who cares? I couldn't care less. 
as long as he suffered, that was good news as far as I'm concerned. You know, he knew he was facing the death penalty, and so it went a bit wrong. <sighs> what could he do about it? What could he do? They, they had to... Uh, had to sort of turn round and say, well, this went wrong, that went wrong. They're still not releasing, even though a lawyer tried to get them to release the name of the company who supplied the drugs which administer the fatal dose, and they're not doing that at all. Uh, the net is closing on Britain's most wanted burglar. This meticulous thief has targeted more than 150 houses, including Boris Becker's. Luckily, they've got a picture of him. Uh, caught on CCTV. I reckon by tomorrow they'll have a name in the frame and uh, that we can get him into prison as quickly as possible. Uh, Boris's wife says that not only do I have to switch on alarms, I have to leave lights on in the house. Our freedom's been taken away. And so the Met this week have released the clearest image to date, shows the suspect wearing a trademark fishing hat, staring into the CCTV lens. He obviously does it at night. He'll be found very quickly. And uh, then you'll realise that he's an ugly and desperately sad... Talking of desperately sad and desperately unattractive, he's back again. This silly little Rodrigo Alves. We did this story probably about... Three months ago, at least. He's a, he's a little air steward. He's not at all attractive, I'm afraid. But he reckons he spent £100,000 to turn him into Barbie's Ken. Uh, looks more like Barbie, actually. You've never seen such a pathetic waste of space. And so he's, um, he's, he's had peck implants, Botox fillers, 20 procedures, including nose jobs, liposuction, and he still looks like a naff old tart who flies the skies. You've never seen anything so sad, but it's such an old story. He lives in London. He says, on the second day, I was left paralysed. Who cares? You ought to be stupid and start injecting yourself with things. That's your problem. That's your problem. He says, with Ken, everything is exactly in the right place. Unfortunately, not in Rodrigo's case. Everything is in the wrong place. He looks most peculiar, but it's a very, very old story. Very, very old story. Uh, the Saint is going to be revived. The Saint... Blimey, who, 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 who with? You can only do it with Roger Moore. You can't do it with anybody else. I did laugh the other day at the Daily Star. They always put the sort of the real numpties in the centre pages. And yesterday, it was Chloe Maidley. Still doesn't actually have a job, as far as we know. I don't know, shelf stacking, I think, is probably beyond her. And Cara Delevingne, a woman who's, I mean, so naff. It's almost unbelievable. They now say she's conquered the modelling world, and now she's going into acting. Oh, God. You lose the will to live, don't you, really, I'm afraid? Eight for eight five O, Steve at lbc.co.uk. And uh, one here, my late sister who lived in Oz sent for the vet to come to the house to have her dog put to sleep as he was very ill. The vet gave him the drug only to find out it wasn't enough. Yes, I mean, I don't, I, do they normally come around to people's houses and put them to sleep? I thought that you sort of take, take pets in or something like that. They have to do it. Sometimes you have to put them to S-L-E-E-P if they're very ill. And uh, it can't be, I know, if you're a dog list, you put your fingers in its ears. I'm just listen to things like that. It's a shame, really. So the dog was in agony. And then the vet had to drive out and then come back to get more drugs. What is it, run out or something halfway through? You never know. 84850 Steve at uh, The Daily Mail this morning, uh, talking about uh, Jerry Adams, sensationally arrested last night over the murder of a widow 42 years ago during The Troubles. Do you remember every time they showed Jerry Adams, you couldn't hear his voice? Now all of a sudden you can hear his voice. It doesn't kind of match the image, does it, at all? Uh, Daisy Who... The story we did yesterday, Daisy Ridley's proud father said last night she can handle fame. She's going to be in um, Star Wars, which is very exciting. I don't know, if you're, if you're a Star Wars fan, does it make any difference who's actually in the, the blooming thing? I don't know. I don't know. The airport chaos, and again, you know, ooh, dreadful and strange. The, the computer glitch. 
unfortunately, that caused four-hour queues. Fights broke out. What stupid... I tell you, if I saw anybody fighting at the airport... Sorry, what flight are you on? You're off it. OK, go away. Far too stupid. Far too stupid. Um, and so people were there. There were, there were queues. Somebody says the queue was one and a half miles long when I was able to leave. Over 30 degrees, sweaty uh, air, thousands of people, all passengers affected. Oh, grow up, for goodness sake. Get over yourself. It's a computer glitch. It's a computer glitch. Okay, nothing they can do about it. And then somebody says, come on, at Gatwick Airport, a bit more creativity, please. I'm sure there are ways to speed things up. It's a computer glitch. Get over yourselves. One here, two-hour wait at Heathrow Border Control. This is what I call living the dream. Well, there you go. There's somebody who's fairly happy with it, which I like the idea. That's like all the poor members of the RMT. Back to work today. So what did you achieve yesterday? Nothing. Nothing at all, I'm afraid. Nothing at all. And Shakespeare's bloodiest play, this is Titus Andronicus. Unfortunately, scenes of rape, mutilation and murder have earned it a reputation as the Bard's bloodiest play. And last night's performance, one gruesome moment, brought audience members to their knees. As Lavinia, whose tongue and hands are cut off after she's raped, appeared on stage at the Shakespeare Glow, five people fainted. It's good publicity for a play, though, isn't it? Isn't it good publicity for a play? Could you just faint, faint now? Now! Faint now. Oh, oh, oh! To, and so now, because did you know that Titus Andronicus was on? No. You do now, though, don't you? And that's what I call very good publicity. Apparently, fainting isn't exactly uncommon amongst globe groundlings. Those with the uh, the £5 standing ticket. Because, you know, if you, if you have to stand there for... I mean, I couldn't stand there for ages watching a play. I'd have, to, I'd have to do the sitting down thing. Shakespeare definitely didn't pull any punches. It's brutal, it's violent, and uh, it's not for the squeamish. But, of course, now they've got a bit of publicity. Because people will be going there going, is it really, really bloody? <sighs> How much blood? Blood. Is a load of stage blood? Is it very gory? Yeah, fantastic. Let's go there and then we'll have a have a little bit of a faint. A little bit of faint on that one. Five foot six and a face like a damaged potato. He wasn't exactly Sean Connery. Bob Hoskins, who died at 71. A very, very unlikely star, but nice. And then a UKIP donor who said there's no such thing as rape in marriage. Was it somebody from UKIP the other day who said it's OK to dislike gays? They're really coming up with some absolute garbage, aren't they, I'm afraid? Uh, Damien reckons that uh, we John Humphreys could do it, or James Naughty. They're, aren't they a bit past it now? Is it, you know, I mean, I think now, poor old John Humphreys, doesn't he do Mastermind? I mean, you don't want to sort of stretch him, do you? I don't know who's going to... I mean, why don't they just stop the programme anyway? It's never, it's never actually served any useful purpose news night. This was the programme that didn't run, the programme on Jimmy Savile being a, a paedophile within the BBC. The programme... Well, I don't we'll show that. So they didn't, which was clever. Somebody says, what about Peter Andre? Yes, what about Peter? I ask that question on a daily basis. What about Peter Andre? What is he doing now? Answer, he's trying to flog his album, because apparently he's always been in this kind of music. He down, he's, he's doing swing. He's doing sort of a Michael Bublé kind of thing, which, I mean, I don't think works at all, does it really? Uh, Pip Schofield's available, isn't he ever? Isn't he ever? You have to laugh, don't you? Poor old Pip, Sch- poor old Pip Schofield. <laughs> I wonder if he's, he he didn't appear to be in the uh, in the running for it. Uh, Susanna Reid, well she'll be free soon. She'll be free soon. She can go and do that. I think they've realised they've wasted their money. That's what all the critics are saying. I'm afraid. So you have to go by by the experts. And you as viewers, you've said exactly the same thing. Uh, gam- gambling, no such thing as a free lunch. I I do gamble. I freely admit I gamble, but I wouldn't go and stand in a betting shop. I couldn't study form. I wouldn't understand. I know you get professional gamblers. That's what they do for a living. I couldn't uh, do anything like that. I also have sat in front of pub fruit machines in my time. Wouldn't do it now. 
I now realise that if you work hard to get your money, I'm keeping it. I'm not giving it away to anybody. There is no chance that uh, I'm going to be earning my money here at the end of each month going and shoving it in a fruit machine. You'd have to be stupid, wouldn't you? Coming up, why wearing pink can harm a girl's future. Make sure you're listening to this one, Jordan. LBC, it's 4.45. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Still to come, why wearing pink can harm a girl's future. Katie Price, you're listening. Uh, Talking of future, I don't think she has a future, does she, at the moment? Nothing to flog, no television programme, nothing at all. Oh, apart from a court date with with Peter Andre. How do you become a, a gentleman? Country Life magazine are asking its readers to nominate their Gentleman of the Year. And so Craig Brown in the Daily Mail has done a thing. If you think you're a gentleman, and bearing in mind, a gentleman can come from all walks of life. It doesn't matter. You just have to follow the hard and fast rules. First of all, a gentleman never drinks Malibu. A gentleman would never touch Malibu with a barge pole. And uh, Craig says it's for the same reason that I've never eaten a bounty bar. He doesn't like coconut. You see, I love... Have you ever tried ice cream bounty? Woo! They're very cool. A gentleman never walks out of a play. So, in other words, if you're stuck with a really desperately boring play, you have to stick with it. You just cannot get up and walk out. A gentleman would never plant gladioli. You wouldn't bother with things that I don't know why gladioli. Why they're singled out, I don't know. A gentleman would never wear brown shoes at night. I mean, I have seen people wearing brown shoes... Really not good at all, I'm afraid. Uh, in recent years, uh, Joan Collins has devoted more and more of her time to telling us all what to wear. So I think for her, she knows exactly what to wear. She knows exactly what looks good on her. A gentleman never finishes his food before anybody else. And if you're a meal, you just eat very slowly, very slowly, even slower, and then just keep it in your mouth. Because if you find yourself speeding up, it's, it's not very good. Um, and, and this is what you need. Necessities. A pinstripe suit. Probably costing around £3,900. That's what you've got to have. A silk tie, £140. A nondescript raincoat, £600. A very dull blue shirt, £190. A hideous pocket handkerchief, £70. And then you have to have a white gold Calatrava watch. Uh, or, failing that, uh, a Patek Philippe at about £17,000. This marks you out as a gentleman. So, in other words, to leave your house dressed as a country life gentleman would set you back £22,136. And that is not including shoes, socks, underpants, or anything else that you care to throw on. Possibly a hat. You might want to wear a hat. Because uh, there are lots of shops now which cater for people who want to look like gentlemen, because people think they look like gentlemen. The suit at £3,900 would probably upset a lot of you. You probably wouldn't have a suit in your wardrobe that cost that. For £3,900, you could go to Marks and Spencers and buy ten suits. Why would you only want one suit? Well, they all say once you've had a suit handmade, you're never going to go back and have anything else done at all. You're always going to be wearing handmade suits, handmade shoes, handmade shirts. I have lots of... Lots of handmade shirts. Lots of uh, very expensive label suits. They don't fit. But it doesn't matter. I've still got them hanging there. So I've got everything through from Isimayaki all the way through. I've got very, very uh, nice one-off suits, which have been made in Hong Kong, to, uh, to suits which are off the peg, but they're all labels. And I must have probably about 30. They don't fit. OK? I'm alluding to the fact that I might, at some point in the future, be able to fit into these suits again. But I think it's highly unlikely. I have lots of handmade shirts from a company called Koreshi. And they make handmade shirts. They're very nice. I can't fit into them. 
I've got lots of things. I've still got jeans, which I can't fit into. And I don't know why I'm keeping it. I think somewhere in the back of our wardrobe, we've all got items of clothing that you hang on to thinking, I'm not getting rid of it, it's brand new, I love it, but I can't fit in. I've got some really expensive shirts, which I bought years and years ago, but I can't fit into them. So perhaps I should give them to charity shops, but they're so blooming ungrateful in the charity shops that I don't want to give them to the charity shops. I'd rather give them to some sort of other needy person. Don't want to see somebody walking around in a £200 shirt that they bought for six quid in a charity shop. Carol says, very sad to hear of the death of Bob Hoskins. Too young. Well, he was 71. That's not a bad innings at all. Mind you, if you're 70 now, it's not a great, great thing to think about. I was a young dental nurse when he came to the surgery I worked in. Very down-to-earth and really charming. See, it's all you could say about somebody, isn't it? Really charming, very nice person. I think, I think that's, that probably sums him up. He seemed always very charming to me. Uh, Malcolm says, if a new episode of Star Wars is being made with the original cast, John Humphreys will be perfect for, uh, for Newsnight. Uh, another one here. Kirsty Walk should get the job of main presenter. Good, clear voice, very sharp and good at Q&As. Mm, I don't know, is she not overused? Is she not overused? Um, I, I mean, I suppose, really... Uh, actually, on the subject of a gentleman, John McCrick is not a gentleman. That's just uh, some... He's not even going, is he? Is he still around, John McCrick? Is he still around? What does he do now? Uh, apparently, James Langdale is Nick Robinson's underling in the BBC's political ring, and Stephanie Flanders recently left the, the economic team, paving the way for Robert Peston's promotion. Uh, Laura Kunisberg has recently returned to the B, but I agree with you, Martha, for the Newsnight job. Yes, I mean, I, I like Martha Carney. Only because I've known her for such a long time. Michael Portillo could... Oh, no, he couldn't. No, definitely not. Definitely not. Um, and another one here. Uh, Sammy says, I agree. Breakfast presenters are suspiciously lively for six o'clock. And that's just the weather girl. Yes, the weather girl. I mean, does anybody really care about the weather? It's the sport, though, isn't it? That really bores the pants off you on the, uh, on the, the breakfast programmes on the television. That's the, one of the reasons we don't have it on, on radio anymore. Because it was an instant switch-off. Nobody is remotely interested in sport in the morning. And what they do, it's a filler. It's so either the cast and crew can go and have a quick slurp of a cup of tea. Because the one thing they're missing on the desk, I don't think they've got cups with their names on, like loose women, in case they forget who they are. Because there is, at some of their advanced ages, the danger that they might not remember who they are through going on set and pandering to their very tiny audience, not half as small as the audience, on the right stuff, where Matthew Wright has disappeared off for another holiday, or as we prefer to call it, rejuvenation. And you've got Richard Madeley doing it. Not his best camera angle from this side. He needs to turn around the other side. And uh, they've got various people on the programme, some of whom I don't even know. I do sit there watching and I think, who are these people? We're supposed to know who they are when somebody turns up on television. There's a couple of dreadful things. There's a poor Radio 1 DJ who's got a show on the television. It's the lowest possible... I don't know what it's on the channel for. It's absolutely naff. It's got Rochelle Hume. (laughs) What old Rochelle... Sounds like a navvy or a bus driver. And she's on there, and a few other people I've never even heard of. Which is, uh, which is a, a great shame. Great shame. Uh, other stories in the papers today. Kate Style must have must-haves on eBay for triple the price. It's interesting, they've got uh, Cara Delevingne's... Tux- How they can ever think she's good-looking? I must be blind or something. I haven't seen this one at all. In Topshop, you can buy her tuxedo jacket for 75 quid. It's sold out online. You can buy it on eBay for £250. How does that work? Um, one here, a black fringe leather jacket, uh, from, uh, from Kate Moss, uh, price in Topshop, £190, still available online, but on eBay for 750 quid. 
You'd have to be mad to buy stuff on eBay, wouldn't you, really? A play suit, £75 in Topshop. Still available online, but on eBay, £125. There's also a tuxedo jacket in Topshop, 75 quid. Sold out online, eBay, £250. It's hilarious, isn't it? There's a Naomi Campbell. I wouldn't buy anything that's got Naomi Campbell's name on it. Uh, this in Topshop is 250 quid. I thought Topshop were cheap. I had no idea they were selling stuff at this price. I thought it was one up from, from Poundland. I really had no idea. I thought Topshop was cheap, affordable fashion. Anyway, this particular price in Topshop, 250 Sold out online. It's a tiered fringe dress. And on eBay, £499. £499. Rouse over a best friend's wedding. The shadow of Chelsea and Y. Cressida and Harry really split. Does anybody care? Does anybody care? He's nearly 30, for goodness sake. He's nearly 30. It's, you know, it's about time he grew up. We don't really care who he's going out with. It makes no difference. Joey says the airport queues were at border control upon arrival. The people fighting can't be put off their flights because they've already taken them. Ah, right. My understanding is the queues got so long, there was confusion over where the queues started. Fights broke out over queue jumping. Oh, I hate queue jumping. Oh, I'd lay somebody out for queue jumping. God, I tell you. They'd be calling an ambulance. So when you mean queue jumping? Oh... Tut, tut, tuts and everything else. Uh, more in the mail today. In the horror in the execution chamber. I'm not really bothered about the fact that Clayton Lockett suffered. I really can't get uh, interested in a story like that. He did suffer, but uh, not half as much as the woman he murdered suffered. Buried alive, ladies and gentlemen. So, as far as I'm concerned, suffer and go straight to hell. Makes me feel a lot better about that. Tony says, let's hope copying John McCrick's dress sense is that of a gentleman. I, d- I just thought a buffoon, actually. Every time he turned up on the television, I used to look at John McCrick. Even worse, when he was on Celebrity Big Brother, he sat there in his vest and pants one time, these huge, voluminous white pants, looking like a reject from Bridget Jones's diary. And uh, he was just rude. He was just very rude and offensive to everybody. I think he's just rude and offensive, full stop. There's something about him. He's a little bit of a dinosaur. A little bit of a dinosaur. Kate McCann has opened her heart... I think for about the umpteenth time, about Madeline, and said, I want to know if she's alive or dead. Well, don't think we don't want to know that as well. But also, I want to know about all the other children who've disappeared, not just Madeline McCann. And so she's going to go on television today to talk about it. It's that pained face everywhere. The last uh, they heard, 2007. This is now the seventh anniversary. And uh, we want Madeline home, but we're not blinkered to the worst outcome. So there you go. And uh, she's going to be on the television. I mean, they're never going to know. I think unless there is a miracle, they're just not going to know. But it's all the other parents who, again, don't get any coverage at all. Uh, One Direction are in the paper today. They've had to switch hotels. Bit of a mob stampede. And it looks like Harry Styles went to Machu Picchu. That's quite good, isn't it? How they've got the energy, I suppose, to to do that and then to, to go singing on stage. I think he might have taken a film crew with him so that you do get a picture, because they're in uh, Bogota in Colombia, a city very well known, as you're all aware, of gun violence and kidnapping. And if they thought they could get somebody from one direction, then they would definitely go for it. Uh, more on the Harry Love split. They're really dragging this one out. And so you've got Ingrid Seward on Cressida, who seemed like the, uh, the perfect girl, and Arthur Edwards on Harry. He says, I've known him for a long time, and one thing I do know is he'd love to be married. But I just don't think he's the marrying kind. I don't think he could settle down. I really don't think he could settle down at all. And I think he's got somebody else. And as I've said before, and I shall make that prediction, I think they're going to turn up at Guy Pelly's wedding, who's that little short, unattractive bloke who's got a couple of nightclubs, but apparently is friend with the royals, which is OK. Still to come... 
uh, more on uh, Peaches Geldof and the report in the Mail Online today that it was a heroin overdose, but the drug paraphernalia had disappeared. Still plenty more to come. It's Thursday. The tube strikes are over until next week. Will they be all back to normal? We'll find out very shortly from Andy McCall. Here's what we'll talk about in this next part of the programme. The private sector rent rises, which would be capped under a Labour government. Leader Ed Miliband will make the promise later when he launches his party's European and local election campaign. Passengers landing at some UK airports last night facing huge queues because of a computer fault at border control. A fifth of crimes in England and Wales could be going unrecorded, according to the police watchdog, and there'll be no British winner of the Champions League this season after Chelsea fell at the semi-final stage last night. And that's about the most football you're going to get on my programme. From LBC, it's Steve Allen. It's all next. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Four minutes past five. Welcome to Early Breakfast on LBC. It's very nice to have your company. So, uh, passengers landing at some UK airports last night, facing those huge queues. We can see we can do it during a, a so-called tube strike, can't we? We can't do it at airports. You know why? People queue jumped. I don't know. They should be shot for things like that. Uh, a fifth of crime in England and Wales could be going unrecorded, according to the police watchdog. And this is the only time I'll mention it. There'll be no British winner of the Champions League this season after Chelsea, apparently it's a football team, fell at the semi-final stage last night. There'll be a lot of miserable people all around the building today. That's what's happening on LBC this morning between now and six, plus those all-important papers. Stories to make your hair curl, ladies and gentlemen. Stories to make you go, good grief. Actually, every time I open up the paper, it's another picture of that deeply unattractive Cara Delevingne. Who cares? You know, I mean, I just don't understand how people get into the world of modelling. I can understand somebody who's good-looking, but, I mean, you know, she's not even good-looking. Perhaps it's this blank canvas that they seem to go for. I I, I mean, to be honest with you, I don't really know why. Uh, The cast of MTV's Geordie Shaw uh, were filming, apparently, in... um, in Tyneside, the other... No, sorry, in Reykjavik. They've gone to Reykjavik. I've never seen Geordie Shaw. I wouldn't be remotely interested. It was bad enough, you know, seeing all the, the poor saps in Made in Chelsea. And thank goodness Towie's finished for a while, so we don't have to put up with those bores on there. And uh, that's quite good. And Calvin Harris is on uh, course for yet another number one with his single Summer. He'd already shifted more than 60,000 copies. It's amazing, isn't it? To get to number one, it used to be you didn't need to sell that many records. I mean, 60,000 copies is good. That's very good. I love it. I mean, I always buy all these hit albums, so I've got some dance music happening in the car, you know, because I like to be sort of up with the uh, up with the kids and playing the happening music. Not that it's sort of banging or I turn the, the bass up or anything like that, but at least I uh, at least I make an effort. I don't understand who any of them are, and to be honest with you, I, I couldn't tell you who Calvin Harris was. <laughs> Just know I've probably got some of his tunes. Uh, interestingly enough, Max Clifford... Uh, awaiting sentencing. He was in a in a stretch sort of limo kind of thing. He's going to be sentenced tomorrow. He's just remortgaged his house for three point five million, and they're saying that what he's doing, he's sort of shunting money around. I've got no idea, uh, so you can avoid paying compensation. I wasn't even aware that there were claims for compensation, but he'll be sentenced tomorrow, and uh, he showed. He showed no emotion as he left his house the other day. So we'll wait and see what happens. It's eight indecent assaults. 
Uh, not rape, eight indecent assaults, and I think it'll carry a lesser sentence. I think that's what the, the barristers have all been saying. 43 minutes for that brutal killer to die in agony. Good. I'm sorry, can't think of anybody who would ever think any differently about that. Oh, and uh, if, you go to, uh, if you go to any of the coffee shops, it's going up in price. Apparently, due to a drought in Brazil... Well, let me grow coffee here, then. We've got loads of water here. The cost of our biggest chains expect to rise by 55 pence a cup. Apparently, the most popular Arabica beans, the type commonly used by Costa Coffee, Starbucks and Cafe Nero, have almost doubled in price. So, in other words, they reckon it could add 55 pence a cup. I think that's when we probably say, I don't think so. I think we go, I think you can stick it where the sun doesn't shine because we're just not going to be paying this sort of price. It's bad enough overpriced coffee as it is at the moment, although it becomes very addictive. And I realise that many of you cannot get through the day without a cup of coffee. We don't seem to make it ourselves, do we? You see people sitting on the train and they've got their, their cup of coffee with them. And then you've got, you know, the students who have their cup of coffee. And then you've got the school kids who have their, their thing, which has got the fruit juice and the cream and the, and the swirly and a straw and a spoon and all the gubbins. And that's three ninety nine. And people love it. We get very carried away. We seem to have limitless money for that. You ask kids to try and eat some fruit or some vegetables. I don't want anything like that, what do I? <laughs> 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Chris Reckons, uh, read the Newsnight presenter. Uh, why do we have to have recycled faces? How about a new unknown? They wouldn't risk it. They, they really would not risk it. And I'll tell you why they, uh, they wouldn't risk it. Is because you cannot afford to play with the ratings. You cannot afford it. Once you've actually established something, you cannot then change it. So they're going to they're gonna be really finding it very, very difficult. Really, really difficult, I think, to actually find somebody to replace him. I think they'll, they'll actually... I think I've got a couple of names in the frame. I see no reason why Martha Carney couldn't do it. She would be the best, the best choice. I mean, I don't think Eddie Mayer would want it. I don't think he really would. Because too much probably hinges on something like that. Other story in the, uh, in the paper today is Peaches Geldof. They've said uh, heroin overdose, which means, if it's true, she was back on the heroin, which means that if she'd come off it and gone back on, to be truthful with you, we couldn't say it at the time, but everybody was saying, you asked around in the business and you say, Peaches Geldof's died and people went, drugs. You know, once somebody's done drugs, they're very, very alluring. They're very appealing to people, very appealing. But interestingly enough... As, uh, as the results of this toxicology test come out and they're alluding to a heroin overdose, all the paraphernalia had gone, which means that somebody removed it before the police got there. It just doesn't vanish into thin air if she was doing heroin, because with it would come, the, you know, a syringe would have to be taken out and destroyed. There'd be loads of stuff, loads of stuff, and yet the house was clean. That's what they said. We were all reporting that the house was uh, was absolutely clean. So somebody known to her knew that she was doing drugs and knew that she was doing heroin. 84850, steve at uk. Let's try and get uh, everything in on the programme this morning. Uh, they are interested in, in the fact that Paxman's going... When he started, he had dark hair. Now, he's got grey hair. And they said, because he's done it 25 years... And he's obviously very tired, and he wants to go to bed at a normal time because he's had uh, he's had enough. And presumably, having made enough money, he's uh, he's decided to settle back and enjoy his twilight years. Uh, a cheating father is pictured in the paper today trying to save his son's rugby team from a thrashing by tripping up one of the opposition. 
Fullerians were being hammered 64-5 by Royston in the Heart Shield Junior Cup final when he was snapped, sending the under-16 player flying. Parents turned on the unnamed dad and the game was halted. He's been handed a touchlight ban. In other words, he's a criminal. He should be taken out and shot, ladies and gentlemen. However, a busty mum is in the paper today. We love a busty mum. Like a busty mum? Oh, well, today you've got a good one. Because she was rescued by firefighters after getting her 34D boobs wedged in a window frame. don't quite understand how you ever get into that position. Tracy Thorne, 47, got stuck whilst trying to scramble into her shower room from a ladder. 25 feet below, her five children watched her wiggling legs for 15 minutes and then they dialed 999. Tracy said, I was trying to wiggle inside, but I couldn't budge. I couldn't get my breast through. When the fire brigade turned up, I was like a beetroot. I didn't want them to pull my top off. Firefighters uh, gently released Tracy as Jordan, Jerry, Ellie, Lulu and Ruby cheered. I think you know what sort of family this is. Tracy, who comes from Brighton, says, I'll never live it down. So she poses again for the photographer, shoving her boobs through the window. As not as stupid as a woman with children called Ellie, Jerry, Jordan, Lulu and Ruby. 84850. Russell Grant for, uh, for Newsnight. Yes, I think that's a good idea. Let's give it to Russell Grant, shall we? Um, TV biz today. You know, poor old Colin Robertson's column gets smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. Talking about um, dumping Louis Walsh from the X Factor panel. They'll never do that. Louis Walsh and Simon go back donkey's years. You need him on there. Although, as we pointed out the other day, you've got Simon flogging the X Factor to death. They're, they're going to drag back Cheryl, because you're worth it, Cole, who's got no discernible talent at all for doing anything, least of all getting into the charts. And uh, they're going to put her back on the programme, and she will sit there and go, I think you're going to be a big star. And, of course, none of her acts ever are. And so they, they sit on there, and it was Simon who said, oh, you know, you know the, the programme that brought you One Direction. No, 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 One Direction were assembled. They took two from there, one from there, one from here, and then put them all together, and that's how it works. So and they've never found anybody. They've never found anybody who's actually any good at all since then. Who? Little Mix? Did they come from the same thing? Did they really? Five unattractives. No, four unattractives, isn't it? I just think that one of them looks like two people. That's why, actually. <laughs> and who else came from there? Shane Ward. He, he's still going, is he? Shane Ward? No, he's not going. Anybody? Who? It's who? Steve Brookstein, is he still going? No, he's not going either. Uh, who else? Alexandra Burke? Oh, she's in The Bodyguard, isn't she? We like Alexandra Burke, but, I mean, does she have a pop career now? Isn't it funny? She had all those hits. We can do it Broken Heels, which I liked. I thought they were very good. Then all of a sudden it goes quiet, and you think, why has it gone quiet? Is it because the record company don't, don't push somebody enough? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Malcolm says, re-executions, don't firing squads only have half the rifles loaded with live ammo? I don't know, I'd heard that as well, actually. I'd heard that. <laughs> but I, I wasn't sure whether or not it was, uh, it was true or not. Uh, 84850, steve at I did love the story yesterday, how we all laughed at Daniela Westbrook. My car's been stolen. Turns out it was the bailiffs, because she hadn't paid for it. Which is fantastic, isn't it? Uh, I love it. More, a more pathetic and stupid person you'd be hard pushed to find, I should imagine, in the real world. Uh, another one here. What about Lenny Henry to take over from Jeremy Paxman or Diane Abbott? Yes, I don't really rate Diane Abbott at all. I'm not a, not a big Diane Abbott fan. I'm sure she's absolutely fine on certain things. But uh, I don't think she could cope with anything as, uh, as highbrow as Newsnight. Uh, Jerry Adams arrested for the murder of this uh, this woman, the disappeared mother of ten, taken by twelve people.
the IRA. They took her out. They accused her of, uh, of betraying them, which, of course, she didn't. But they shot her with a bullet in the back of the head and then they buried her. That's how cowardly they were. And uh, Jerry Adams has been questioned about this murder, which happened an awful long time ago. Jeremy Clarkson used the N-word during filming for Top Gear. In the unused footage, he recites a racist version of a children's rhyme, Eeny, meeny, miny, moe. Nobody ever said that Jeremy Clarkson was intelligent. He's a petrol head. For that read, he's, he can only talk about cars and put petrol in one end. And that's it. So he's used this racist rhyme. Uh, and a lot of people saying that it's wrong. But there again, why would he worry about it? Why would he worry about anything like that? He said stuff before. We've had the gay cars. We've had this. We've had that. But I don't think him saying the eeny, meeny, miny, mo thing is going to affect anything. They say, a shame, a shame. Well, he's not bothered about it, is he? Not, put it way, if you do something in front of a camera, you're quite clearly not bothered by it. Because otherwise you'd be sort of saying, oh, I'm terribly sorry, I, w- I wish I'd never said that. But uh, most people don't worry about it. Peaches Geldof, front of the Times, heroin overdose. It is sad if it is true, isn't it? It is very, very sad. They say cruel echoes of her mother's death, but if somebody wants to do drugs, that's their business. You know, I think the moment you stick a needle in your arm, you kind of realise where you're heading to. Uh, A top public school here. Abuse claims against 18 teachers. This is at St Paul's and Collett Court in Barnes. This is the school that Joseph came from, the amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. And they had allegations going back a long time. Coming up, that not another sports. What is it with sports? We don't do sport. You know, we shouldn't do sport at all. But coming up, the cricket team banned from hitting sixes. I can't believe I even said that to you. LBC News Time. It's five fifteen. Call Clegg with Nick Ferrari this morning from seven. The Deputy Prime Minister will join Nick to take your calls for another unmissable edition. I like that actually. Plus, as the Home Secretary announces an overhaul of stop and search measures, Nick will be asking. Has she gone far enough? And why are the government now saying a fifth of crimes go unreported? You can join Nick and the team from seven this morning. Barbara Want, the journalist and author of Baby Secrets, will be live in the studio going through the papers. Pink, out, completely. Completely out. Now, it can harm a girl's future. Making girls wear pink is wrong and could harm their future. Who says so? An education expert. Uh, Somebody at the Independent Association of Prep Schools says the idea of having blue for a boy and pink for a girl was pernicious because it led children towards certain roles regarding their real identities and talents. What did I say yesterday? I said exactly the same thing on the programme. Why do you have to put a boy in blue and a girl in pink? Because pink is seen as a girly colour. It's seen as candy floss and frothy and things like that. And that's why Jordan has really cheapened it and made it even more naff by putting it in her car, which, of course, she can't sell, so nobody wants a pink car either nowadays. We've got a pink house near me. In Twickenham, it's a pink house. It made the news. It's a vile colour pink. And I think it's, it's a woman who likes it. So she's had her car painted pink. It's really quite vile. The neighbours must be sort of thinking, oh, God, well, might you choose to live next door to somebody? Anyway, writing in the uh, magazine, she says blue was considered a softer colour that was prettier for girls. Also, the colour in which, of course, the Virgin Mary was depicted. You didn't see her wearing pink, did you? They didn't come any more girly than that. Anyway, um... She spoke out after the parent group Let Toys Be Toys launched a campaign to remove boys and girls signs in shops. Marks and Spencer has pledged to make its toys gender neutral. Really? That's a bit odd. So in other words, boys can play with dolls and girls can play with with cars and stuff like that. Yeah, it doesn't quite work, does it, really? So, in other words, we take away the stereotypical image of a child. We don't have toys targeted at girls, and we don't have toys targeted at boys. 
I suppose because if you give... I mean, I don't know whether or not they, they could ever prove that if you let a boy play with a doll's house, he might grow up gay. Or feeling that an interior designer, which is roughly the same kind of thing, or a hairdresser. You know, you, you can buy these, these doll's heads now. I've seen them for girls. I think it's from Girls World. And it's a, a doll's head... Uh, with the hair, and you can do the hair and put makeup on and stuff like that. There's no equivalent for boys. You know, why shouldn't you have the trainee trolley dolly? You know, where you can have sort of a head and you can put makeup on and, and sort of go, yeah, this looks like a, a trolley dolly up in the skies. You know, there, there appears to be this huge dichotomy between toys. A train set would be seen as a toy for a boy, whereas girls would have a pram. Girls would have a little shopping trolley. If you had fuzzy felt, boys would probably have fuzzy felt farm. Girls would have fuzzy felt post office. That's that's how it works. I think. Well, I think that's how it works. I don't know. I mean, I was thinking back to toys I had when I was a child. Bat and ball was interchangeable. Swing ball was interchangeable. Boys and girls could have things like that. A football was really seen as a boy's toy. Badminton could be for both. And dressing up would be mainly for little children, where they haven't sort of reached their gender uh, assignment. Because we had a case, didn't we, a short while ago, of a seven-year-old who's having a sex change. A seven-year-old who's now, has been dressed as a girl, and now wants to be as a girl at seven, which I thought was a, a wee bit too young, but anyway. Uh, Kevin says, the milkman, we know you love sport, really, Steve. I bet you'd love to introduce the LBC Arsenal Hour for your beloved Gunners. He says, oh, and well done to all the bus drivers on half the pay of the tube button pushers who kept London moving over the past few days. You know who actually benefited from it? I suddenly realised, and I, I, it's only because somebody mentioned it to me yesterday, taxi drivers. They want them to go out on strike all the time. You know why? More business. Don't have to drive around too much. You can literally, the moment you drop somebody off, there's somebody else going, hello, taxi. They absolutely love it. The more they go on strike, you know, the RMT, the better. The better. Uh, M20, Junction 9, closed London-bound due to horses escaped from a field near the motorway. Oh, that's all you need, isn't it? Horses escaped from a field. Diversion by the A20 or Junction 10. There are delays there. There are delays. There could be delays. I did used to do a sport programme on LBC. I did a sport... I know it seems slightly... slightly strange to say that now, but I did. I did a two-hour sports programme, and we did football, and we did tennis... Did all sorts of things. I'm not doing it again, but I'm just saying that I did do a sport programme. And people used to, even, even one of my bosses at the time said, he said, I'm going to give you a sport programme, he said, because I know you can do it. I said, oh, there's no doubting I can do a sport programme. I said, it's whether it sounds believable. But, you know, at the end of the day, I discovered by reading the back pages of the papers every day, I could get myself through a sport programme quite easily. It wasn't difficult. I even amazed myself. I came off air and I used to get uh, letters from people saying, I had no idea you knew enough about sport. I thought, well, I've actually done a very good bluff job. But I was, I was particularly good at, at bluffing. I quite, I quite liked that one. Uh, so, Peaches Geldof, front of the papers, heroin overdose, they're now saying. I don't know whether or not they're, uh, they're telling the family or the family have been informed already. Um, people described her as funny, witty. I spoke to people about her. Uh, they said drugs. So it's sad, isn't it, if somebody does dry, die of drugs, especially so young. It just seems a terrible waste, really. She was only uh, 25. They say she had become increasingly obsessed with the death of her mother. I don't know why. I mean, Paulie Yates was, uh, she was very, very young when Paulie Yates died. I remember Paulie Yates. I remember seeing her on the big breakfast. And, and I, do you know, I don't really know enough about heroin to, to talk about it. I just know that it's quite a serious drug. You've really got to... You've probably got to try everything before you kindly kind of move on to heroin. And it's, uh, it's, it's not so good 
actually not so good at all. Why is it, says Jean, when contestants on quiz and game shows win, they insist on clapping themselves? Oh, everybody does that. That's, uh, they go, so-and-so's won, you go, yeah, because you're so excited. Otherwise, you sit there and go, oh, good. That's why, whenever they have people who win competitions on the television, they want you to whoop and cheer and holler and do all the things you do to make it look as though you've really enjoyed winning. Whereas some people don't, obviously, enjoy winning. But uh, I enjoy winning. I would clap myself. I would clap myself. Why not? Why not? Goodness sake, honestly, if you can't clap yourself, who can clap you at all? Answer, nobody. I love the picture of a... uh, It's a Russian spacesuit stuffed with old clothes and released from a space station. And it just it's just wandering through space at the moment. You'd be quite frightened if you actually saw it up there, wouldn't you? I'd be very frightened of things like that. Um, other stories in the papers today. This is uh, over 45. So over 45 this morning. Put your hands up. OK, a few of you this morning. You're one of the happiest people in Britain. The over 40... No, it's no good shaking your head next door. You're not over 45. I Well, anyway, uh, other people... Apparently, 60% say they feel good about life. A strong network of family and friends is the key to happiness. It's true, actually. I thought that the other day. But I've always said, I said to a friend of mine who's going through a, a bad time and then emerged through the other side, and I said, you know, the one, the one thing that actually gets you through life is liking yourself. Couldn't care less what other people... Why would you care what other people think about you? You know, somebody writes into Jeremy Paxson going, I think you're really... Na- Who cares? Nobody's interested in your opinions. Nobody cares about that at all. Makes no difference whether I say that Susanna Reid is rubbish or not. There's always somebody who writes into saying, she's a marvellous presenter. Well, quite clearly not. She's hemorrhaged 100,000 people. And this is only the first week. You can imagine, by the time we got a month into it, it's going to be dropping like a stone. Not looking so good. But I like the idea. Mid-40s, you are solvent. In- not all of you. Most of you are solvent and independent. You are bubbling with the energy and ambition of youth, ladies and gentlemen. That's what you are if if you're in your 40s. There's a lot of you sitting there going, I really don't think this is right at all. We'll have another... Shall we have some Marmite on... We'll have Marmite on toast and another cigarette and we'll try try and pretend that we're really, really happy. You're supposed to be happy. I would think, actually... That uh, that if you're sort of, I mean, by that time at 45, the kids are sort of semi-grown up, aren't they? The best time is when the kids leave home and all of a sudden you've got a bit more room in the house and then you can downsize and then free up some of the money that's in your house. A bit like Max Clifford. He's freed up about three and a half million pounds in his property. The wife apparently is uh, now not wearing the wedding ring and is apparently seeking a divorce. So the papers were claiming the other day they asked 2000 men and women about this. And, and what do you use to organise your busy social life? Your phone. Your smartphone. Oh, by the way, those um, um, strawberries the other day, the British ones, Rose. Rose, not El Santa, Rose. John, my friend, was going to text me. He said, I was going to text you about the strawberry. And it was, I think, oh, I think he said it was Rose. It's sort of, I don't know, there might not be that. But they were particularly flavoursome and very plumptious and very sort of, get your teeth into a British strawberry. I should have brought some in, but I forgot about it, and I'm too mean. Coming up, why a taste of the high life is... Let this be a lesson for all of you. A taste of the high life is bad for you. LBC News Time, 5.30. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. 26 minutes to 7. I mean, somebody sent me in... Do you remember a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about the Day of the Dead in Mexico. This is where families... And they only seem to do it in Mexico. They don't do it in England, that's a fact. Uh, They go to the cemetery, they have special cakes, they have all sorts of celebrations, and they go and celebrate the dead. Sometimes they dig them back up again. 
Sometimes they dig them back up again and they celebrate the person's life. So it's the Day of the Dead in Mexico. And obviously to celebrate this, I got sent in six bottles of ale to celebrate the Day of the Dead. I mean, as far as I know, this is uh, a Mexican uh, brewery. Um, It's located 100 yards from the US border in Mexico. Uh, the The water is filtered via reverse osmosis. And they've got 75,000 barrels in there. And so I got six bottles sent to me for Day of the Dead Ale, which is very nice, from Docklands. But I don't know who it's from. I thought it was very sweet. So thank you very much indeed for that. Uh, it's the third largest brewery. That's all I know. The Aztecs did this honouring of the dead 3,000 years ago. And now the Day of the Dead craft beer is produced to celebrate these traditions with extreme care given to flavours and packaging. It's quite clever, isn't it, really? The Day of the Dead. Perhaps we should have it over here. Next time they bring back The Only Way is Essex, let's celebrate the Day of the Dead with The Only Way is Essex. The um, advice from Bob Hoskins, given to his daughter Rosa, who's 30 now, and she says that, uh, you know, she gave him lots of love, he gave her lots of love, but his fatherly advice was... And this is this will apply to any of you. This is fatherly advice from father to daughter. Laugh. Be yourself. Be flamboyant. Don't worry about other people's opinions. Why should you worry about other people's opinions? Who cares? Get angry. That's always a good one. Whatever you do, always give it a good go. Be generous and kind, because you can't take it with you. Appreciate beauty. Take pictures and make memories. Don't take yourself too seriously. Never, ever, ever ever give up and love with all your heart. And that was the advice that Bob Hoskins gave. And I think I adhere to all of those, actually. I think I adhere to all of those. Be generous, you can't take it with you. I agree with that. I agree with that. I agree with uh, getting angry. I be with, uh, agree with being yourself, what, not worrying about other people's opinions. Why would you worry about other people's opinions? Who cares? Who cares? Uh, love with all your heart. Don't take yourself too seriously and appreciate beauty. Unfortunately, that's where we kind of fall apart on this one. I don't know about the appreciating beauty. I must be the only one who can't see Cara Delevingne, I'm afraid, which is rather a shame. Everybody else seems to go, oh, she's very attractive. And I go, well, I must be looking at somebody else. Uh, 84850, Steve at lbc.co.uk. Lynn says, unfortunately for cabbies, they don't make a lot of money on strike days. Getting caught up in the inevitable traffic jams puts paid to that. No, no, no. The moment you're in the cab, and believe you me, I never saw an empty cab on strike day. They said, once you're in there, they, could, they can sit in the traffic as long as they like. The meter's still ticking. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Do you know what they're, they're stopping? In America, I think in two places in America, they have banned these electronic cigarettes. They've said they're the same as cigarettes. They're not having it, so they've banned them. And uh, it's now, uh, there's an enforceable fine, which I'm um, quite pleased about. I wish they'd hurry up and ban them here. I'm sick to death of sort of sometimes you go into a place and there's somebody sitting there puffing when they go, it's electronic cigarette. You go, no, it's got tobacco in it. It's got tobacco in it. All this, people, you watch. Once people start dying of these things, they're going to start going, oh, they're as bad for you as other cigarettes. Yep, certainly are. And dangerous. Yep. Buy them in markets. Dangerous. Yep. Because they're made in China and they fall apart. We've had about two or three blow up in the past couple of weeks, haven't we? So, very, very dangerous indeed. So, you take your, take your life in your hands. I think there's a few people around here smoke them. To be honest with you, I mean, I think if you're going to smoke cigarettes, smoke cigarettes. But don't, uh, don't smoke electronic cigarettes. Uh, neutral gender toys are all well and good, but children will revert to type, says Sarah. I made sure my son didn't have any weapons or gun-like toys, so he ended up using garden sticks as guns and swords. 
Yes, I mean, I absolutely agree. As I mean, as kids, I mean, did you not buy your children, if you're over the age of, say, 45, 50, did you not buy the children, you know, guns in holsters? I had one, cowboy outfit. Pew, pew, pew. Did you not do that? Everybody had guns. I used to go and I had my gun in my holster and you bought caps, rolls of caps that you put in there. I'm not even sure you can get rolls of caps anymore. And you put them in it. Pew, pew, pew. If you're an Indian, you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And then you pulled the bow and arrow. You could take the cat out with something like that. So I don't think it made any difference whether you played with, with weapons. I mean, I had a red Indian headdress. I was not only Hiawatha, big, big chief laughing cloud, but I could be a cowboy as well. Because I had a cowboy hat and I had the, the trousers and I had a belt and two guns. I was, like, feared in the neighbourhood. 37 I was when I stopped using it. 37, but loved every minute of it. 21 minutes to uh, to 6. Is uh, is Day of the Dead the same as Halloween? I, su- I suppose it is, except we don't go around to the cemeteries and dig people up. But they do in Mexico. Mind you, of course, in Mexico, they spend most of their time digging people up, burying them, digging them up, burying them. It's the it's the drug cartels over there, which are not, uh, not particularly pleasant. Mexico City, apparently, is absolutely lethal. They're fighting a losing battle, I'm afraid. Losing battle. Who's this a picture of? I thought for some, some interesting moment it was going to be a picture of One Direction, but we couldn't be that unlucky, because One Direction are still dominating the world. I mean, absolutely dominating the world. I mean, that is probably what I would think would be one of the biggest success stories ever. How to take a group that don't know each other, stick them together, and then, then tell them exactly what to sing, how to behave. Unfortunately, they're all ageing rapidly. Who will be leaving first? Harry Styles, without a doubt. Without a doubt. Uh, Darren says, good morning, Britain stroke America. He says, I understand I'm the only good morning Britain viewer. Yes. He says, but I shall allow Laura Tobin to flirt with the camera endlessly. It's only a weather girl. Mind you, over the years, weather girls have sort of made some career for themselves, haven't they? Haven't they, you know, weather girls standing going, and this is fluffy, and there's rain. And this is going to be very wet, and this is going to be a storm. And then you get experienced weather forecasts like Michael Fish, who haven't got the faintest idea about a storm. Well, a lot of people have said there's a storm coming in. I think it's unlikely. <laughs> Old country devastated. Complete career in tatters, I'm afraid. But we spend too much time on the weather. I just tell people it's going to be sunny or wet. This morning, I walked out, and just as I walked out the front door, the heavens started to open. I thought, here we go. Here we go. We're going to get soaking wet today. But that's OK. I don't mind the fact that I spent £12 having the car washed and dried yesterday. Doesn't bother me. I'll live with it. I'm an adult. I can laugh. I can get angry. I can do all the things Bob Hoskins says we have to do. Hello from uh, Kuwait, because we get listeners all over the world. Uh, This is uh, Samira, who says, uh, I came across your show three days ago when I bought my new iPhone and discovered digital radio that has opened our choices of radio in Kuwait. I love your show. We're not used to this kind of thing in this part of the world. It's very refreshing. Yes, you won't get anything like this in Kuwait. I, sh- I would have been censored by now, I should imagine. I'm pretty much censored over here, I think. What happened to Sam Bailey? Says Jason. Well, she's had an album out. And um, her mentor, you might have to correct me on this. Was it, was it Michael Bolton? I'm pretty certain I thought that it was Michael Bolton. And, uh, and he, she actually uh, phones him and he phones her. He'd be a good one to get for in conversation. I wonder if we can get hold of Michael Bolton. We'll have to try try for him on the, the, the programme. Am I watching The Real Housewives of Miami? I am. Um, I love a good argument. And I love watching these, uh, these cat fights, which they have on the television. And I love watching one of their mothers, who looks like she's inside out. She's had so much... So can't know anything. She is possibly one of the most unattractive people you've ever seen. And all you've got to do is put her in a veil... You know, a black veil coming from behind a sort of a door. You're boo, like that. You'd fall over. 
She's really absolutely dreadful. She's desperately unattractive. She can't handle a drink. She can't handle anything, really. But she's very funny, and nobody likes each other. All these people, it doesn't matter whether it's the Housewives of Beverly Hills, the Housewives of New York City, they all hate each other. Everybody thinks that they're better than the other one. It started with Orange County. And Orange County was particularly good because of the vile Vicky. In fact, I woke up to half it the other day and they were talking about Vicky. And I, and I, did, um, I did laugh, actually. I did laugh. Because <laughs> I enjoy watching programmes like that. I love watching other people's misfortune. In fact, the more misfortunate they are, the more fun I derive from it. So these housewives, I love the housewives of Beverly Hills because they're, they're still really awful but filthy rich. They've got Kelsey Grammer's ex on there and loads of other... And they're seriously rich. You know, they say, oh, I'm having a little little party tomorrow. And uh, and they spend like $10,000 on the flowers in the middle of the table. I think, gosh, they're that rich. That rich. I'd love to be that rich. Be lovely. Uh, Gary says, did you have a spud gun? Yeah, everybody had a spud gun. You know what a spud gun was, Sam? Do you remember a spud gun? You have that? That's where you had a gun and you pushed it into a potato and then you fired it at someone. You could take an eye out. It was quite... Just a big spring inside it. Very good. I used to love stuff like that. Mick and Carla are still delivering beds in Oxfordshire. My God, you're slow. Honestly, you were delivering beds three weeks ago. Can't still be delivering the same bed. Are these people sleeping on anything? Or are they on the floor? George, the Warburton's driver, says, I know you don't do requests. I'm not singing. I know it's Thursday, and I know it's called Clegg, but, I mean, the singing's straight out the window, I'm afraid. They have a grandson, Andrew. He's three today, from me and Grandma Leah. Is it grandma or is it pronounced grammar? Everybody's got different things. Gramps, granddad, nana, nanny. Everybody's got different names for their grandparents, haven't they? So I don't know. I might be right. But anyway, it's Leah and George. So Andrew is three today. How exciting being three. How exciting being three. Oh, love the idea of being three years old and presents. I was sitting at the bus stop yesterday and there was two schoolgirls and one said to, she came over to me, Amy, happy birthday. They were about 12 or 13. She went, yes, I got £75 in money. This is like 8 o'clock in the morning. She already opened all the cards and everything else. And I got this outfit and I got that outfit. And, uh, but it was a £75 in cash. I thought, she looks about 12. How do these people end up with this much money? The idea is that's what you have to give people nowadays. About 12, 13 years old, you can pick up a couple of hundred quid for your birthday. In my day, you were lucky to get £3.10. 10 shillings. If you had a 10 shilling note in there, you go, I've got a 10 shilling note. Nanny Pat sent me a ten-shilling note. You get very excited about the whole thing. Oh, incidentally, Subway, replacing ham with halal meat. Not in all of them. This story we did a couple of days ago on LBC. And they've removed ham and bacon from almost 200 outlets in an, old, in an attempt to please its Muslim customers. Well, how many Muslim customers have they got? Do they have to ask people when they go in? Sorry, Muslim, halal. Told you we've got a fish and chip shop that's halal. And they've got 1,500 outlets, so only 200... Uh, so they're replacing ham with halal meat. Our, our Kentucky Fried Chicken's halal as well. They slaughter each chicken individually, then. Is that how it works? Because I thought halal is um, animals having their throats slit before bleeding to death. But, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that you can't do that with every single chicken there forever and a day, wouldn't you? Millions of chickens must be slaughtered every day for people to eat their Kentucky Fried Chicken. LBC News Time, quarter to six. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Ten to six, just in case you're, uh, you're clock watching. Hopefully everything should be back to normal on the trains this morning. Not that I think the strike yesterday had any impact whatsoever. Eleven tube lines. We have eleven tube lines. They were running. Not admittedly up to full strength. They were still running. That's why there were no queues at the bus stops. Uh, somebody says here, if they can uh, ban electronic cigarettes, can they not ban ordinary cigarettes? 
Which country are you in? They have banned ordinary cigarettes. You can't smoke ordinary cigarettes in, a, in uh, any pubs, in any restaurants. They're banned. You can't smoke anywhere now. You can only go and stand outside in the, the, uh, in the smoking bit. And taking pictures of speeding bikers on motorways, what about keeping both hands on the wheel? Uh, as Steve Allen always points out, it's the law. I have a video camera in the car. Obviously not the brightest penny in the box, are you, really? Never mind, we have video cameras in cars now. They're called dash cams. And I have two which record everything that takes place in front of the car, so I have them on there. So you don't actually need to keep two hands on the wheel. I've always got two hands on the wheel because it's the law. And that's why, perhaps you haven't heard of dash cams before. I'd have to send you a link so that you can, uh, you can be as informed as everybody else is on LBC in the morning. Yes, you've been able to buy them. In fact, Nick, uh, Nick Ferrari did a whole feature on dash cams. They're so cheap now. I've got a super-duper deluxe one which is very good. Um, and then Glenn says, I built a model railway in my loft where my granddaughter comes to see me. She's straight up there playing with it. She loves it. I know you see, but, but then can you say, these are these gender toys that they're trying to get toys gender friendly. So you don't have a specific toy for a girl or a specific toy for a boy. Um, which seems a bit daft, really, because, you know, little boys. I can remember a friend of mine, his, uh, his wife bought their son for Christmas years and years and years ago, a little shopping basket. And, and her husband said, what have you bought him that for? And she said, well, he wanted it. He, he expressed an interest in a shopping basket on wheels, which came with lots of plastic tins and, and pretend things inside. So you could do shopping. He said, well, it's not very butch, is it? So obviously people see toys as being butch or non-butch. A train set, I would think... I don't know, actually. I don't, I'm, 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 a bit, I'm a bit torn on a train set. I don't know where that falls in the, uh, in the gender assignment. Is that, a, is that more a boy's toy? Or is it a girl's toy? Perhaps the girl could sweep the platform. That would be okay, wouldn't it? Or sort of serve tea on the train. I don't know. I like the idea. Of course, kids of any age will go and play with anything. Even when you're little, you go round to your grandparents' place and they had a little pokey garden, but you still found things to do in it. So I, so I, I, don't, I don't really know, actually, whether or not a train set falls into a boy toy or a girl toy. A doll would definitely be a girl toy, but Action Man would be a boy toy. And there's lots of other toys like that. You can have action men, and I suppose you can buy, put different uniforms on them. But if you have Ken and Barbie, I'm assuming Barbie would be for girls. Would, would Ken be for girls too? I thought Ken was fairly, fairly camp anyway. He used to wear some floral shirts. At one point, they gave him a moustache. He looked like a reject from the village people. It was very worrying. El Santa stories are very... El, El Santa stories. El Santa strawberries are very, uh, very tasty. Yeah, the, I'm sure these were rose. I'm pretty certain they were rose. Pretty certain. I don't know. These, these strawberries, they're British. That's all I could tell you. They are British strawberries, and they were particularly good. Uh, Jan says, uh, guess where I went yesterday? Even though I don't do it intentionally, I still end up doing something that you've spoken about and recommended. Where did she go? She went to see the Mary Rose down in Portsmouth. And the reason I directed people to go down there is because it was a Henry VIII Tudor warship. And it's huge. And it's, there's half of it. And it's in a big room. And you peer through and look at it. It's, I mean, it's amazing. You know, I've seen some things in my time. Stuff from the Titanic. I've seen the Mary Rose. I've been on submarines. I've been on warships. And nothing prepares you for the Mary Rose. You can spend, you can spend as long as you like in there. They've got stuff they've brought up, including the skeleton of the, of the dog from the Mary Rose. 
It's big, but because it fell into the mud, all the stuff that was in the mud was preserved, and the other bit on top disappeared, I'm afraid. So she said it was stunning. Like a lot of your listeners, I remember when it was raised in 1982. The weather was lovely. It, it was quite hot yesterday. I nearly, nearly, only briefly, undid an extra button on the shirt. Not for too long. Not to expose too much flesh around Twickenham. So we stayed in a B&B in Leon Solent, but looking right out the window towards the Isle of the White. She said, it's raining right now, but what a treat to be picking up LBC and you. It's always a treat. You see, I mean, this, this DAB malarkey, I knew it would work. I knew it would work. Well, I'm glad you liked the, the Mary Rose. I also loved it. I thought it was just, it was, it was just... Amazing that we've, we've got that facility to find things and bring them up. That's why I like Time Team. That's why I couldn't understand why Channel 4 ever dropped Time Team. They went back the other day because it was some sort of anniversary for Henry VIII and they went to Hampton Court Palace. And as you know, I'm a member of Hampton Court Palace. You can join. It's not exclusive to radio presenters. Anybody can join historic royal palaces and you join five of them, I think, and you can go every day if you want to. And the interesting thing is that there was a, a lot of Hampton Court that was pulled down, but a lot of the Tudor stuff still remains and Henry VIII added and put bits on it. And it's, it's a great day out if you live in Kingston or if you live in London, you want to go out there for the day. Make a day of it. Make a day. Pay and go round it. It's worth, it's worth every penny to go round the palace that he did spend time in. He liked Hampton Court. But what they've started doing is digging up bits of it to find more of these towers. They had these towers in there, one of which is behind one of the restaurants. But also there was a huge jousting field, which was at Hampton Court. A huge jousting field. Jousting was big and there was a big tower that was built so that people could use it as an observation tower. And they were showing us that and I absolutely loved it. Abs- I just thought, such a good programme. Anything on Henry VIII, I love I've been to all the uh, the palaces. I've been to the places where he, he lived. I've been to the places where he died. And uh, we've all seen his coffin. He's just not in it. Richard in Wapping says, I had the full cowboy kit, revolvers, Winchester rival, and I sported a magnificent Davy Crockett hat, which was very fashionable at the time. I never had a Winchester rifle. My parents weren't rich enough to buy anything like that, I'm afraid. So I just had the uh, the other things. Ian's in Dunstable. He says, I'm off sick with the flu. I can't sleep. And you're the only thing to cheer me up. Well, it's your own fault for living in Dunstable, isn't it? I've got no sympathy at all. If you choose to go to Dunstable, you expect everything that you get. So, so he's up there. He says, all this talk of, uh, of kids' toys, no doubt being brought uh, in on the basis of political correctness. I can remember enjoying sweet cigarettes and cigars. You can't get them anymore. You can. You so can. But they don't call them sweet cigarettes now. They call them candy sticks. But they're exactly the same. The only difference is they don't have the little red bit, which made it look... And you could, and we used to pretend we could smoke... You could pretend you could smoke them. And up in Yorkshire, the most popular thing in our sweet shop, broken cigarettes. So, in other words, the ones that have been broken in the factory, they would sell them loose and they were much cheaper. You could either buy a little packet of them with cigarettes, which came with a card in, or you could actually have a, a packet of broken cigarettes. But you can still get them. They call them candy sticks. And still readily available. What they taste like, I've got no idea. For me, fatal. Because I should imagine they are all sugar. Margaret in St Ives says, I used to play with my brother's train sets. Eleven of them. He didn't play with my dolls, though. No, I mean, I don't know whether or not boys can play with dolls. Unless it's an action man. And even so, I, I mean, we, never ha- we didn't have any money for action men. I just had a, I had a fluffy dog that you could keep your pyjamas in as a kid. And that was sort of like a toy to me. Or like a friend. My only friend. And uh, we did have a train set, and I quite like that. My brother had Scale X-Trick, but he got that when he was first married. One of their wedding presents was a Scale X-Trick, and they'd set it up. I think it was the most boring thing under the sun. <laughs> took so long to set it all up, the chicane and everything else. So it's these gender... They're talking in the paper today about gender toys. 
toys which are suitable for boys, and toys which are suitable for girls. Uh, I'm 51, says Russ, and when my mum bought me my first Action Man, my dad was horrified. Yes, I mean, but I thought that was... Did you have the Action Man with the moving eyes? That was the one that was fairly popular, I think. Helen in Barkingside said, apologies for being late, but it's my cough. Uh, 50th birthday today. (coughs) 50. And uh, 50, honestly. I don't know anybody near 50 at all. All the people I know are very, very young indeed. Front of the uh, Express today, Mr Grumpy on television. Jeremy Paxton is quitting Newsnight after 25 years. And they're now all guessing who could be the replacement. Who could be all the, the, the replacement for Jeremy Paxman? I don't think there is such a thing as a replacement. I think it's just somebody else to present the programme. I don't think that you can say he will be the replacement. It's like, you know, when Nick Ferrari goes away on holiday, there isn't a replacement. There's somebody else coming in doing their programme. just happens to be at the same time. When I go away on holiday, which seems to be very infrequent, I don't know. I think every day is a holiday. You know, somebody's coming in. They're not being me. They're being themselves. So somebody will have to be not Jeremy Paxman. Still plenty more to come on Steve Allen's early morning breakfast on LBC before handing over to Lisa Aziz with the morning news. At 6.30 and Nick Ferrari at 7, the Mail tells us that Jerry Adams has been arrested over the murder of Jean McConville, a mother of 10, 42 years ago. The Times says patients are at risk as GPs faced a forced shutdown. The Telegraph says that Cressida Bonus and Prince Harry may have split up over an argument prompted by a £650 airfare. And the Express tells us the wise lessons that Bob Hoskins taught his daughter. The actor died the other day at the age of 71. And if you're over 45, as you now know, you're among the happiest people in the country. From LBC, I'm Steve Allen. All of that is next. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's nice to be company. It's LBC. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. Lisa Aziz with you at 6.30 this morning. Nick Ferrari and the team. And, of course, it's called Clegg because it's Thursday. Must be lots to talk to him about today. Uh, perhaps even the tube strike again, I'm afraid. The Telegraph talking about Cressida Bonus and Prince Harry. Uh, he said it's nothing to do with, you know, her being royal or anything like that. They've just sort of drifted apart. As indeed he does with most of his girlfriends. Bob Hoskins has left wise lessons for his uh, daughter. He died the other day at the age of 71. And as uh, TV's Mr Grumpy departs Newsnight, the big question is, who could replace him? As if anybody could ever replace him. All of that and more on LBC This Morning. And we'll take all your texts and emails and we'll run through the, uh, the front pages of the papers today. Kate McCann is on the front of The Sun, for example. Uh, she says, I need to find out if Madeline is alive or dead. Well, I thought that was the whole purpose of the investigation to start with, since we're spending enough money on it. I'm assuming that uh, that will go on. And she says uh, she's publicising a new child rescue alert system. She says we need to know. The worst thing is not knowing. But they have braced themselves for hearing the worst news. Uh, I want to hear about all the other children as well. All the other children who go missing every year. And my second sports programme... Sorry, my second sports story of the morning. Because I'm not a fan of sport. And uh, I don't think it has any place whatsoever uh, on radio. Because nobody's interested. That's why instant turn-off on poor old Susanna Reid's programme. Click, click, click. As it goes on to sport, sport and more sport. And I think it's just... Perhaps it's a toilet break there. Because it's of no interest to anybody at all. This is the village cricket team who make the sun today, they banned players from hitting sixes. Why? In case the balls end up in annoyed neighbours' garden. 
Yes, Diane Attenborough complained that it was dangerous and threatened to take the club to court. Uh, now a local rule is in force, meaning if a six is hit at the Britwell Salome Cricket Club in Oxfordshire, no runs will be scored. One club insider said, This neighbour complained cricket balls were landing in her garden, her son is a barrister, and there was talk of the club being taken to court. Well, that's an occupational hazard, isn't it? If you have a, if you have a house that's near a cricket pitch, there is a danger that you might actually end up with cricket balls in the garden. Village cricket is not exactly a wash with cash, so they can't risk ending up in court. It's ridiculous. Imagine footballers being told they can't shoot outside the area. Club captain Stuart Symes, 44, says the club has effectively been from banned from hitting a six from one end. Thousands of pounds have been spent on a 50-foot net in case a batsman get carried away. Diana has lived in the house for eight years, says the old net was much lower, so the balls came over and made it very dangerous to be in the garden. Well, they don't play cricket every single day, do they? Good Lord. Anyway, she's tried to get the club closed, and somebody says, I heard she, she gave up trying because she was worried they'd build houses there, which would be worse. But if you live next door to a cricket pitch, what do you expect? And I suppose they are right, but it is an occupational hazard, isn't it? It's like golf balls. Golf balls landing on your garden. I suppose there's nothing worse than cricket balls. They're slightly heavier. In fact, they're very much heavier. And so she's not... I love the idea. She's got a son who's a barrister. We're going to make sure... We're going to make sure that um, that you don't operate anymore. But, of course, she doesn't want to take it too far in case they go, OK, we'll, we'll abandon that and we'll build houses on the site instead because you don't want to live next door to a housing estate, do you? Not very good. Um... Lots of people talking about this uh, childrescuealert.org. I'm presuming it's, it's so that you can keep tabs of your children. And uh, this says it allows the alarm to be raised to millions of people once a child is abducted or believed to be in immediate danger. Texts and emails will be sent to the mobiles, tablets and computers with those who register with the system online. So in other words, if you don't, if you don't register, it's not going to mean anything at all, this scheme. And uh, the message will contain a photo of the child, a description and crucial details, such as if a vehicle is involved. Of course, it doesn't help if the parents aren't there at the time. In the case of the McCanns, they weren't there when their child was abducted. And we say abducted, we don't know, do we? So we're still in the dark. So this is now seven years on. Uh, she says that stats prove the alert system works. Well, it does, provided everything's in place. If the parents are not there, then you don't know anything at all. She says we want Madeline home. It's cost millions, hasn't it? And we're no nearer. We've had front-page headlines on all the newspapers and we still don't be any nearer finding anything. I remember reading it less than a month ago where they were saying on one of the papers, yes, an arrest is imminent and this is going to happen and that's going to happen. Nothing at all. Nothing has happened, I'm afraid. Uh, yes, I do remember Spanish tobacco. Thank you, Bob, and the Chad Valley projector because, yes, I had one. Cathy Wallington says, I totally agree with you. I could see no beauty in Cara Delevingne. I can also see nothing in David Walliam's wife, another supermodel, who I think is slightly odd-looking. I think well, she looks an awful lot better than Cara Delevingne, who just looks so she's blank, she looks a bit vacant. That's what she does to me. I wonder if she's still taking that talcum powder around with her that she dropped on a doorstep a short while ago. Very odd. Uh, in Dartford, there's one of the gatehouses from Henry VIII's manor house. Manor house sadly gone. Anne of Cleves lived there after her divorce. Unfortunately, they built a warehouse beside the gatehouse, says Jill. The original manor boundary wall is still there too. I love it when you go on the... on one of the Routemaster buses, one of the old ones. You go out to Tower, Tower of London and they've got a bit of the old London wall there. 
I much preferred it if that was still in operation. You can have people outside the wall and people inside the wall, which would be, uh, which would be very, very entertaining. But anything to do with Henry VIII is fascinating. He wrote a book, you know. Henry VIII wrote a book. talking about he was, he was very into Rome. In fact, he had a palace in Rome. There is a palace of Henry VIII in Rome. You didn't know that, did you? Yeah. And you, you know it because in the inside it's got the Tudor Rose still inside there. He had palaces all over the place. In fact, one he built... I think near one of their battles, near the Field of Gold, and it was only there for a few days to impress people. They had this palace built so he could go, that's how rich he was. And if you go to Hampton Court, you will see the only surviving... Ex- I don't know why I'm telling you this, actually. It's only because when I watch these programmes, I absorb it. The only surviving example of something that is worth more than the crown jewels. The crown jewels in the Tower of London. What have they got at Hampton Court that makes it so valuable... And the answer is, no, not the clock. No, no, it's, it's portable. This is portable. Tapestries. They've got tapestries from the 1600s that were made, I think, in France. But the reason they're so valuable is it was gold and silver thread. Gold and silver thread was used. And they are as valuable as the crown jewels. And yet people just take them for granted. What they've done is they've put them up. They've faded a little bit over the years. There are still some colours you can see. But they project onto them what they would have looked like when they were made. It would, you would have walked into this hall, this great hall that was created by Henry VIII. He had it built, and it had a blue ceiling, and it was all a little bit... Now it's all, it's all the wood exposed again, and it was all blue, and the floor would have been all green and, and white tiles, and these gold and silver tapestries, which would have cost the equivalent of God knows how much in this day and age, but as valuable as the crown jewels. So there you go. That's what you should, uh, you should have to do today. You must go... And have a look at Hampton Court Palace. Uh, Connie says, talking about Marks and Spencers, you should try their extra strong tea. I don't do strong tea. I can't do strong tea. I'm afraid otherwise I'd be doing Yorkshire tea or uh, any of those other things that they advertise on the television. Uh, I loved our train set, Steve. Loved our train set. And used to play with it uh, an awful lot. Because some people uh, had train sets. Some people used to imagine that they had train sets. We didn't actually have the biggest train set going, but we did uh, We did enjoy it. We just have to put it away, though. But it, luckily, in a house in Yorkshire we had, we had a playroom. So you don't have that in houses now, a playroom where you could keep all your toys, and, uh, and it was so much better. So uh, there you go. And we would collect moss to put around the station to make it look pretty, but scale electric was the best. Four brothers, two sisters, we were highly competitive. Never liked Barbies, but did have a walkie-talkie. And Andrew says, I had an easy-bake pretend oven when I was a kid. Never harmed me, although I do now have a collection of gingham aprons. <laughs> Very funny and so true. Uh, might interest you next Saturday, Sunday and Monday, which is Maybank holiday weekend, if you're in London with the family after your Sunday show at Little Venice, there's a narrowboat cavalcade festival with hundreds of narrowboats, free entry, free activity and entertainment for kids and adults, small market, bookstall, food tents and stalls and a beer tent. Not free. It's a Stephen Potter's bar. There you go. <laughs> uh, 84850. And uh, another one here says, uh, maybe you could present Newsnight. Um, I don't really know, actually. I don't really know if I could present Newsnight. Or, in fact, if I would be remotely interested in presenting I don't think it pays enough money. I've seen how much uh, Paxman was earning, and to be honest with you, I wouldn't get out of bed for that uh, that sort of money. It's just it's just not worth it. 6.15. Morning, everybody. 6.21 is the time. Coming up with Nick Ferrari. It's Cool Clegg. Today being a Thursday, which means you can talk 
to the Deputy Prime Minister. Plus, as the Home Secretary announces an overhaul of stop-and-search measures, Nick will be asking, has she gone far enough? And why are the government now saying a fifth of crimes go unreported? Barbara Want, journalist and author of Baby Secrets, will be looking at the papers for today. We'll run through the, uh, the front pages. Uh, let me just tell you quickly, there's a major industrial fire smoke billowing across the carriageway. This is the Blackpool, uh, the Blackwall Tunnel northbound approach at Greenwich. The Blackwall Tunnel northbound approach smoke billowing. So slow right down, slow right down. And uh, also the, uh, the police have closed the slip road chasing these horses, which we had earlier on. Do you remember on the, uh, it was on the M20, I think it was. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, just before we uh, finish, I'll run through the uh, front pages of the papers for you this morning so you know exactly what's, uh, what's going on. And let me also tell you very quickly that uh, Daniel says, um, I've got my O-level French speaking exam today. He says, you're the only thing stopping me from revising, so if I fail, it's your fault. Oh, listen, with a name like Daniel, there's no chance you're speaking Francais, is there? Parlez-vous Francais? Non. OK, simple as that. Why do people want to learn to speak French? They don't like us. They've never liked us. Learn to speak Japanese, far more useful a language. And it means you can then go in. I'd love to be able to speak Japanese or Chinese or anything. I've never felt the remotest sympathy with the French at all. I've never ever wanted to speak uh, French. I don't know. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, a lot of people trying to work out who's going to replace Jeremy Paxman. I don't know. Auto cue. Uh, Henry VIII wrote in defence of the seven sacraments and was awarded the title Defender of the Faith by the Pope to be passed down. That's why FD appears on British coins, says Eamon. I, d- I just like the idea that people used to pay to watch him eat his dinner. You would pay at Hampton Court. It was a shilling, I think, which seemed like an awful lot of money. It'd be like paying now to go and sit watching the royal family eating their dinner. And I shouldn't imagine they eat very much. I'm reliably informed, I heard from somebody the other day, that when the Queen has these banquets, she doesn't eat anything. She has just a few little items put on the plate... Uh, because otherwise you can't eat and talk, can you? Somebody just sort of saying to it, so, so your majesty, oh, you know, that would never happen, would it? Never, ever happen. Anthony and Highgate, they're going very well, hanging baskets this year. I think everybody is, I think we're hoping we're going to have a decent summer. I think we're hoping that there's going to be uh, enough weather out there for things to grow. We're definitely having our best strawberry season. Best strawberry season. Although somebody came into the greengrocers the other day to ask about cherries. And, of course, it's not cherry season. I'll tell you what's just come into season. Watermelons. Watermelons are absolutely everywhere. Uh, Nick Ferrari could do Newsnight, says Bernadette. And uh, he doesn't sit on the fence like some presenters do. Yes, I mean, I don't know whether he'd want to do it, actually. I think he'd be a little bit tired in the morning. Although, to be honest with you, I think if, if the offer came in, I think he'd be there like a, a shot. Um... Uh, Tip, if you have got to smoke and you want to survive uh, a little bit longer, you have to leave a long stub of the cigarettes. Well, I mean, you know, smoking, I can't preach to anybody about smoking because I used to smoke. Now I don't smoke and I haven't smoked for years and years. If actually somebody asked me and I said about 12 years. But if you do smoke, I understand that it's very addictive. Uh, The weather today, main headline, it's cloudy with showers or longer periods of rain. Sunrise is at 5.32 this morning. Oh, we've had that, haven't we? Uh, the cloud will thicken this morning. Slow-moving showery rain developing in places. Showers will turn thunder at times this afternoon. And uh, you'll reach about 16 degrees. Not the most exciting, is it? Not the most exciting. Tomorrow, sunny spells, especially at first. Cold with a northeasterly breeze and a widespread frost overnight. Now, what did I predict for you? 
I said, for this bank holiday weekend, there's going to be frost. It's going to be cold, and the temperature is now dropping. Rural ground frosts overnight. This is for Saturday through Monday. Expected highs between 10 and 13 degrees. Between 10 and 13 degrees. And uh, I think that's about as good as it's going to get. As good as it's going to get. Shame, really. Front pages of the papers this morning. This is what you're... This is what you're waking up to. The Daily Telegraph leading on the arrest of Sinn Féin's Gerry Adams. That's the lead on the front of the Daily Mail too. It says the Sinn Féin's leaders has uh, repeatedly dodged questions about his alleged terrorist past and is now being detained by police investigating the death of Jean McConville in 1972. They thought she was an informer. The IRA went mob-handed, ten of them, to her house. Twelve of them, I beg your pardon, she had ten children. Uh, took her out, interrogated her and then shot her in the back of the head and then buried her on a beach. The Times says hundreds of thousands of patients face losing their family doctor because of funding reforms. They also report Peaches Geldof died of a heroin overdose. Her inquest opens later. Uh, what they're saying as well is that not only was it a heroin overdose, but all drug paraphernalia had been removed from the house. I mean, if it's true, it's immensely sad that she hadn't got over the addiction that she had before. The Guardian claims the number of workers on zero-hours contracts has almost tripled to 1.4 million since last year's estimate. The Sun carries an interview with Madeleine McCann's mother, Kate. She says she just wants to know if her daughter is alive or dead. Financial Times says the investment arm of the government's independent advisor on privatisation of Royal Mail has made it an £8 million profit after selling shares in the company. The Independent says pressure on the government over the botched Royal Mail sell-off is intensifying. The Express leading on a new Brussels tax that, it claims, threatens to ravage pensions. And the Daily Mirror claims TV presenter Jeremy Clarkson's been caught on camera using a racist rhyme. This is the eeny-meeny one. And the Daily Star leads on a story about the singer Rihanna. It's all to do with it's a publicity shot thing, photo, and it's all a bit racy-pacy and an effort to try and drum up some interest in this boring person. And that is just about it for this morning. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, for your uh, company this morning. I'll be back with you tomorrow morning from four. We'll wait and see what the papers bring. We should get the uh, results. And uh, tomorrow's course, don't forget, is the Max Clifford uh, finally finding out exactly what the sentence is for the uh, convicted crimes, which we had earlier this week. Uh, Plus, we'll be finding out what the Peaches Geldof inquest is going to be saying. I'm hoping it's not going to be what the papers uh, are saying it is, because it would be very, very tragic. And also, we'll then have to ask the question, who removed drug paraphernalia if it was a heroin overdose? So I'm back again from four. We'll have a free podcast for you up in about 30 minutes this morning, which is our general chiding of a few NAF celebrities. It's always worth catching. And you can uh, follow me on Twitter, at Steve Allen Show, and there'll be the podcast as well, available later. We have a new podcast service. You can download the app from the LBC website. Later on LBC, Nick Ferrari's here from 7 with breakfast. Next, it's Lisa Aziz with the morning news.